Shut up and sit down. Hey folks, welcome into another episode of And Boomer, because once again, we are bucketless. But you know who we're not missing? We're not missing Big Booner CBJ, Zach. How you doing, Zach? Oh, it's just another Boomer and Booner show. It's it's a great time. Uh, we're g- looking forward to speaking to some great people later this episode. It's going to be a yeah, lot of we- fun. Yeah, we have a we have a roundtable scheduled, and what's hilarious is we've actually already recorded the roundtable, and through the magic of editing, Kyle will make this bad boy sound great. Yeah, for those of you listening, it's going to be a longer episode, but please listen, and it's it's really good. Yeah, a lot of lot of good takes, a lot of good info. It's uh, probably one of our best, if not the best. So, and you can literally listen to me get drunker as it goes. So as we're talking, let's go ahead and get this rolling. Yeah, let's just hop right into it. We're going to do a quick recap of last week. Um, man, Tuesday, December 20th, we go to Philadelphia and we play the Flyers. 5-3 loss. In the first period, Travis Konechny scored on a shorthanded goal, 13-48 into the first, putting the Flyers up one to nothing. That was the final score at the end of the first period. Going into the second period, our man Krail Marchinko gets his third goal of the season, and then KJ gets his eighth, giving the CBJ a 2-1 to lead, which was short-held because Morgan Frost and Owen Tippett were like, fuck this shit. They both scored, made it 3-2 to flyers. So the final score at the end of your second period was 3-2. to We go into the third period. Konechny gets his second of the night, putting the flyers up 4-2. to and then Andrew Peake comes out of absolutely nowhere, looking like he's a fucking offensive forward with his prettiest goal of quite possibly his career, making it four to three. Then Owen Tippett gets his second of the night, sealing the deal with an empty netter, giving the Flyers a five to three final. Now, one of the things I want to touch on with this episode, Zach, we had four penalty minutes in this game, one per team. Each team got one power play. They were both 0 for 1 on the power play. A whopping four minutes of penalty play. Which means, I'm no mathematician, but we played 56 minutes of 5 on 5. Carson Meyer got 8 minutes and 57 seconds of time on ice. Josh Dunn got 7 minutes and 55 seconds. Liam Foody got 9 minutes and 6 seconds as our fourth line. How in the fuck... Are we supposed to win games when we refuse to roll four lines? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this. Brad Larson is not the coach for development. He's not the coach in general. But at the same time, you're talking. Because he coached in Springfield with the Falcons when they were our AHL team, and he was supposed to be all about developing players. And who's the AHL team is that? Springfield is for Chicago? That was ours back in the day. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, but I mean, as you look at it, the players you named off are not really players you look at for the long term future of this club. Uh it depending on who you're talking about. But I mean, 
when we look into this game, that breakaway by Andrew Peak did not look like Andrew Peak. It looked like he was possessed. No, um, what the fuck was that, dude? He literally went coast to coast and just fucking made people look like fools. I mean, he looked was, like he'd been playing forward his entire fucking career for 15 seconds. It looked like Cam Atkinson was back on this team. It was maybe even better. Maybe even better than Cam Atkinson. It just looked like one of those breakaways. It was clean. He took the puck, one up, or just him and the goalie, and then snipe top left. It was nothing but clean the entire way through. It was Patrick Line esque, or even, dare I say, Rick Nash esque. He didn't try anything too fancy, literally just came up between the circles and shot. It looks like Eric Robinson, if Eric Robinson could actually hit the net. The, so the two times a year when he when he finishes. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the out of the 76 breakaways he gets a season, the two that he actually finishes on, it looks like those. Yeah, it was it was filthy. It was a nice goal, man. Hats off to Andrew Peak. That was sick. I mean, goes down in another big-ass fucking L because that's all we do now. But – Dude, to know that he has that in his back pocket was fucking spectacular. It's one of those games where there's not a whole lot to talk about. Um, I mean, we're two and one on the career. We're yeah. two and one on this season series against Philly, so we got one more game to play against them. But there's not a whole lot to talk about, so we'll go ahead and move on to Chicago if you're ready. Well, yeah, I want to talk about a couple other things. I mean, this literally okay. not rolling, not rolling four lines is ridiculous. I mean. We're still double shifting the top line, and they're scoring at a regular shifted first line point per game. But we're force feeding KJ into that center role, and once again, he goes twenty five percent from the faceoff dot. I mean, at what point do we realize maybe this kid's a right winger, just like he was at Michigan or on Team Canada or in the World Juniors? I mean, he might not be a fucking center. I mean, do, do you agree with me or do you disagree? Uh, I'm with you, and we, we talk about this a little bit in the roundtable. He's there out of necessity. He's not there because that's where he's supposed to be. But is it necessity when you got a guy like Brendan Gauntz just wasting away in Cleveland? You also got a guy like Jack Rosovic on a lineup giving away seven turnovers a game. Yeah, I mean, he owns a bakery at this point. We get it. He owns a fucking bakery. I don't know. I just – the, the time on ice is so skewed. We just keep force-feeding the top line and force-feeding them and force-feeding them and force-feeding them, and they're just not producing at the rate that they're being force-fed. So, I I don't know. I mean, in my mind, Kent Johnson's a right winger. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Prove me wrong. But at this point, I'm not wrong. That, and how do you expect guys to produce when you're feeding them that many minutes for forwards that aren't? used to playing that many minutes. I mean, fatigue plays a big role. Well, that and they're get, they're losing every fucking face-off. They're losing three out of four face-offs, so they're not getting a goddamn puck. It's not like they can score when the other team's got to fuck puck. We lost a guy that was top five in face-offs in the league. It's it's yeah. a big deal. Yeah, whether Boone, I mean, we've had the conversation how many times, whether if Boone Jenner's a center or not. Like it or not, Boone Jenner's one of the better face-off guys in the league. Not on this team, in the fucking league. Yeah, he's, he's producing it at 62% or higher almost every game. Boone Jenner is a center, whether he's a 1C or not, no. But he is a center. 
Yeah, it is what it is at this point. Let's move on to Friday. Friday should be fun because neither one of us watched a fucking game. Uh, Friday, December 23rd, our beloved Blue Jackets traveled to Chicago. We got a 5-2 loss to the goddamn Blackhawks. One of the two teams that is worse than us in the entire fucking league. We lost 5-2. And this is going to be a quick recap because literally at the end of the first period, I shut it off and I finished watching the TV show Wednesday on Netflix. That's how frustrated I was with this team. So we go in and Kane scores because there's three things in life that are always going to happen. Death, taxes, and Patrick Kane scores on the Blue Jackets. So Kane scores makes it one nothing. And then everybody's favorite former Blue Jacket, the guy that's been dissing our city all fucking week, Max Domi gets one to make it 2-0. And then Anthiseo scores, makes it 3-0. And Radish scores to make it 4-0. Finally, Marchenko scores with his fourth goal of the year. And then Marcus Bjork gets his third year, third goal of the year and makes it 4-2. Jonathan Taves hits one in the third that makes it 5-2, which ends up being your final. Any thoughts on this game? No? So, no? No? Good? Moving yeah. on. Let's get the fuck off that one. I mean, I checked into this game three times total. Yeah, and every time you turned it on, they scored. Yeah, so I texted the group chat every time. I turned it on the first time. As soon as I turned it on, Patrick Kane's shot hits the back of the net. Turned the game off, texted the group chat saying this just happened. Yep. So I give it a couple minutes, not even paying attention, just chill with family. Uh, turn the game on again. I see the Patrick Line or turnover that leads, leads to the to Max, Max Domi one time. Yeah. Yeah. The See one guy we didn't want to net. score with all the shit he'd been talking. The one guy we didn't want to get on the score sheet. Yep. See that hit the back of the net, shut the game off. The third time I turn the game on is in the middle of a fight between Eric Branson and what is it, Hankook? I don't remember who. I thought it was in Theso or Andy. No, it, it was Hankook or something like that. It, oh, no, is he ragdolling? However, it's pronounced. As I turn it on, it's from the point when he's ragdolling him. When he picks it up, you see your Mortal Kombat moment where it goes, finish him. <laughs> and he just absolutely runs his hand through his jaw as he's lifting him up off the ground, something that he's probably going to get suspended for. But the only bright spot of me watching this game. Yeah, he literally he had had him down on the ice and just picked his ass back up and said, I'm going to punch you one more time. Which I'm assuming tomorrow, if you're listening to this, it'll be Tuesday morning when the NHL comes back into the office. We're probably going to hear about a hearing for Eric Branson because that happened in the last five minutes of the game. So he's probably going to get that standard one game suspension. I would not be surprised if we don't see Gabranson the next game. It is what it is. I mean, another fucking week, another two losses. So let's let's take a peek at the week ahead. Um, tomorrow or today, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, December 27th, uh, we play the Buffalo Sabres at 730. And Do that we? is a ESPN Plus Hulu game. No Bally's coverage. Oh, wait. That motherfucker's been suspended because Buffalo sucks. So the word on the street is Buffalo's airport's closed. They won't open until 11 a.m. tomorrow morning. That wouldn't give the team enough time to prepare for the game. How fucking uh, long a flight is it from Buffalo to Columbus? 
it, it's maybe a two-hour flight, but at the same time, I'm just grateful that we don't have to watch this team get butt-fucked by Tage Thompson. At the same time, I got Rasmus Dahlin on my fantasy team, who is quarterbacking their first power play. And with the team, way this team's been giving up penalty minutes recently, um, other than this past game, or other than the you know two minutes we gave up in the Philly game, right? I was kind of looking forward to those power play points, you know, playing against Jason. But yeah, it is what it is. That game has been postponed. No makeup date given. Um, looking on Twitter, a couple people who cover the team for different outposts say that uh, they don't see that game fitting in anywhere soon. That we're probably looking at a February or March reschedule date. So taste stay tuned to your uh, social media outlets. You'll eventually find out when that game's rescheduled. And uh, if you're contacting. Oh, sorry. If you're contacting your ticket reps, just give them a couple days or our Christmas break. Just figure it out after that. It's not going to be anytime soon. On a personal note, this one sucks for me because I use my friends and family bonus tickets every year and I give them to my brother and my nieces. So him and his family were coming. I got six people coming to this game with me. And for the second year in a row, the Buffalo game after Christmas has been postponed. Just sucks. Figure it out. Hop on a Greyhound. It's not that fucking hard. I mean, at least you want extra tickets to a New Year's Eve game. Oh, don't even get me started on that fucking game. All right. Well, with the Tuesday game being postponed, uh, that means our next game is going to be Thursday, December 29th. Our beloved Blue Jackets are going to travel to the New York Islanders. And that will be a 7.30 p.m. start. So not your typical 7. It's going to be a half hour later. So for those of you drinking at home, I mean watching at home, you'll have time to put down a couple extra beers. How do you see that game going, Zach? So, I mean, they've been about, player-wise, on the top end, they've been about the same pace we have. They haven't been scoring a ton. Um, yes, but it, they play way, way more defense than we do, so they are way ahead of us in the standings. That's kind of that bear trot system slowly fading away. Um, yeah. But Matt Barzell has been – killing it this year. I mean, five goals, 28 assists for 33 points. That sounds about what Johnny Goodrow is putting up right now. Uh, I see us losing that game. Um, 3-1. I was going to say 3-1, but we've had some, you know, lower scoring games recently. I feel like we're due for a higher scoring game. We're going to lose that game 6-2 to because it's going to be Elvis's first game back. I'm still going 3-1. I don't think no way in hell we travel to New York and beat the Islanders. I'm going to take a 3-1 loss. And that leads into everybody's favorite game to end the year. Saturday, December 31st, we play the Chicago Blackhawks on New Year's Eve at 7 o'clock. Oh, no. No, we don't play at 7 o'clock. We play at fucking 1 p.m. Even better. I get to watch both games. Yeah, well, not better for everybody. I just, I don't know. At this point, I'm kind of falling in the same bandwagon you are. I'm like, let's just lose every game and have a better shot at Fantilli and Bedard. Because me personally, I'd rather have Fantilli than Bedard. I, but I'll I just want a one seat. I don't give care me a, who it is. I want a one seat. Whether it's Bedard, Fantilli, Leo Carlson, uh, Dvorak, and, and I just want a one seat. I need to see this team headed in the right direction. 
If we it's can not lose, doing that, I don't see us heading anywhere other than a different city. Yeah, if we can lose to the Islanders and do, and uh, Chicago beats us again, and they pick up one more win somewhere in between, we'll be tied for next to last. So, if we can just get behind Anaheim, we're we're in the right boat here. Yeah, we're we're gradually getting there. It's uh, there's it's very quickly becoming the thirty second worst team out of 32 so that's your look at the week ahead uh nobody has any positive thoughts on that because you know we're we're realists we're not optimists but uh quick uh up on the farm update before we hop out of here and uh, move on to the round table uh we're just going to focus on three guys david juracek stanislav Fosel, and martin rice Abbey are all playing for team check um, if you're listening to this tonight, Team Czech is currently playing Team Canada, and they're up five to two, which is amazing because Canada is supposed to be the shit. But if you're listening to this tomorrow, I'm hoping to tell you that Team Czech won five to two. But uh, what do you think of these three guys that are uh, heading off to World Juniors since David Juracek finally got his gear and was able to get on the goddamn ice? Yeah, I haven't seen much. From Rice Savvy, that's some guy I haven't really paid attention to. Uh, your check's finally over a point per game in the AHL. Uh, looking like an actual decent draft pick from Yarmo. Really happy yeah, about that. He's looking one. really good up in Cleveland. Uh, I think that one was kind of gifted to us from Shane Wright's attitude issues, pushing him farther down in the draft. Um, Stanislav Fozil, he's got that nasty tree to him. I absolutely love it. Uh, I'm hoping she, Team Check can push it far. I think it's crazy that uh, Jordan Dumay got screwed out of playing in World Juniors because of playing in the QMJHL. Yeah, Team Canada decided to take a bunch of uh, 19-year-olds instead of 18-year-olds. The only two 18-year-olds that went were Bedard and Fantilli. And then they went with size over skill. So that's how Dumay got left out. He and was in the last, what, two or three cuts. Yeah, that, that might hurt Team Canada, honestly. And, and because I tell you what, if it's anything like what I'm watching on TV right now, uh, Czech is taking it to them, dude. Like, they're taking it to them. It's 5-2. Uh, Canada, originally, their second goal was overturned. I don't know if it was offsides or his goalie interference, but they were up 2-1 at one point or 2-0 at one point, and one of the goals got taken off the board. And then Team Check has just ran wild ever since. It, it's amazing seeing a different team kind of take control over national competition other than Canada. It just shows us how this sport's expanding. And it, it's just great to see. Yeah, for those of you, I mean, obviously we're going to root for Team USA, number one. But I'm not going to lie, with three of our prospects playing on Team Check, they're my number two, baby. I'm rooting for them against everybody but us. And honestly, I mean, there's nobody we're going to draft out, out of the check this year. So, I mean, I, I kind of made it a point when we did that roundtable. I look at prospects a lot. I'm kind of just looking forward to what we can draft this year. Yep. Yep. Keep moving forward. Tired, tired of moving backwards. So, with that said, we're going to wrap up this session and uh, – we're going to move right on into our roundtable. We brought in a few, few of our friends to hang out with us tonight. And uh, hope you enjoy. We got uh, 20 Q&As with our friends. 
And uh, let me know if you count and only count 19, because I may have got too drunk to read all 20 questions. So while we're at it, we missed one question. Name two players that you'd love to pick up in the free agency this year. Two players. Uh, it's real simple for me. Uh, the question that we missed, I already had the two players in mind. And those two players are both centers. And they're both going to be unrestricted free agents. And I would love to slot Dylan Larkin into our 1C and Bo Horvat into our 2C. Without a doubt, those are the two guys I would love to go after. It's a pipe dream. I know neither one of them will probably come here. If we get one, I'll be happy. If we could get both, I'll be fucking ecstatic. So while we're on that conversation of centers, I'm also taking two centers. One of mine is different from yours. First of all, Dylan Larkin. If Zach Wierenski can pull out that best friend trick, somehow get him in here, that'd be phenomenal. Instead of uh, Bo Hor or did you say Bo Horvat or did you mean Kempe? No, I meant Bo Horvat. You meant Bo Horvat? Kempe is also a free agent, but I would love for Dylan Larkin to be our 1C and Bo Horvat to be our 2C. See, the way I look at it, uh, the second center I'm looking at is somebody that hasn't produced amazing this year, but it's been somebody that's been in the uh, Norris or sorry, Selkie conversation the past four or five years. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly is a free agent this season mm, from St. Louis. At, yeah, absolutely amazing two way center. Um, produces offense when the time is big. He don't he don't fill that one C role though. So you slotting him into the two C. He fills that one C role in St. Louis. He filled that one C role all the way to a Stanley Cup. But if we were able to pick up Dylan Larkin, he Ryan O'Reilly is a two C. But he's that defensive center that we need. Yeah, Dylan Larkin's the pipe dream. Use that Zach Wierenski friendship. Do whatever it takes. Just fuck over Stevie Eiserman. Dylan Larkin at one C is the pipe dream. I would love to see that happen. And if a guy like your like Vorchek doesn't come back, that frees up over eight million dollars that you can play with to bring him in. So it's not unrealistic, but it is unrealistic. So was Johnny Hockey. Exactly. And maybe we get another one to fall right in our lap. Well, with those closing statements, let's go ahead and get this ended out here. Yep. Let's head into the round table. So that's 237.10. And the recap. See, my time's delayed from you. That said 220 or er, 237.26. I just now hit 237.26. <laughs> so we'll go 238 and we'll start the ad reads. We'll go high bank, and then we'll go seat geek, and then we'll go parlay. Gotcha. And high uh, bank, you're you're gonna add the butt chuck, the butt jug. All right. You add anything on the other two? Uh seat geek. I'm gonna add in the fucking emails. All right. Hold your finger up when you're done. Put it down. Hey, folks. This is Little Boomer with the Buck and Boomer Podcast coming to you. Want to talk to you about our sponsors, High Bank Distillery. Some of the best alcohol you're going to get in the entire city, the entire state, the entire country, 
award-winning spirits. Some of the best vodka I have literally ever had in my life. It is little boomer tested, little boomer approved. They got two locations. Their first location is over in Grandview, across from the Grandview yard. And they got their new location up in Gahanna slash New Albany. High Bank Distillery for all your spirit needs. So, uh, I mean, while we're at this, go ahead and, uh, you know, drink it orally, first of all. It, it tastes great. Award-winning vodka and liquor. Award-winning vodka and whiskey and gin, everything that they make. And if you get bored with that, go ahead and butt chug your high bags. It's a great time. Take that funnel, lube it in Vaseline, take it in, and butt chug your high bags. It's great. We don't recommend it, but it will work. Then, if you want to come and attend a game with us, go to your favorite app on your phone for tickets. SeatGeek. Everybody has SeatGeek downloaded. Use SeatGeek. Find the tickets you want. Use our code CBJA, as in artillery, for $20 off your first purchase. Now, if you need $20 off your second purchase, you can create a second email account. Nobody will know. I'm not telling you to do that, but I will let you know it does work. And, I mean, while it does work, Lil Boomer saw some really memorable events a couple years ago. So, you know, make a third email, make a fourth email, make a fifth email, make a sixth email. Keep it going. As long as you want to come to games, use code CBJA to get your $20 off. Absolutely. And then if you want to just go and watch games and get drunk and have fun with over 100 TVs, head up to Parlay on 570 North High Street. The new port parlay sports soon to be sports book and kitchen. They got over a hundred TVs, fully stocked bars, fully stocked kitchen for all your football, basketball, hockey needs. Go to parlay and on January 1st, place a bet. Tell them little boomer told you to do it. That's parlay on 570 North High Street. Once it hits January 1st, go ahead and lose your kids' college funds. Place Why every not? bet you can on the Columbus Blue Jackets to win the Stanley Cup this season. Although we're almost eliminated, place all the money you have on us to win the Stanley Cup. We are sports betting experts. I mean, place your you money can't on win. us. Yeah, you can't win if you don't try. So head to Parlay and place a bet. All right, now we're into our CBJ roundtable portion of the podcast. So tonight we brought in a few guests. I got my buddy, Big Booner CBJ, Zach, with us. We've got everyone's favorite fan from Indiana, Scott Lim. We've got the good Reverend Rodriguez, Adon. We got CBJ South Carolina fan, Steven. And everybody's favorite TikToker, Lindsey Cusson. So guys, we're just going to jump right into this. The first question for our roundtable, we're going to start off with a fun one. Fuck, Mary kill. Brad Larson, Yarmo Kekalainen, and Stinger. So we'll start with you, Zach. You're muted, Zach. Oh, yeah. Go. Uh, we're going to go ahead and kill Brad Larson, get him out of the way quick. He's getting fired anyway. Uh, we're going to marry Yarmo just for, you know, some of the trades he's made. And then we've already talked about Stinger in a ball gag, so we're going to fuck the shit out of Stinger. All right, Scott, where are you going with this three? Uh, I think you absolutely have to uh, – we're fucking Brad. 
we're actually we're killing Brad. We're getting rid of Brad anyway. Okay. And I'm gonna be different from Zach. I'm gonna marry Stinger because I feel like Stinger's gonna be here longer than Yarmo. So I think we, by process of elimination, have to uh, fuck Yarmo. <laughs> All right, Don, how you doing this? Um. So everyone's obvious choice is to kill Brad Larson. Uh, chance after chance, power play still sucks. So uh, goodbye, Brad Larson. We'll miss you. Mary Yarmo, I'm not ready to give up on Yarmo kicking line. And yet I still am on the in Yarmo, we trust man wagon. So you and like then, abusive uh, relationships. Big part. So, so you like abusive relationships. Don't kink shame me. Uh, and then, of course, that big plushy body, great for the winter times. You got it. You got to fuck stinger. All right, Steve, where are you going? All right, I'm gonna go with uh, fuck Yarmo. I I just feel ha- feel he's a little bit freaky. Uh, with him behind that cool, calm de- demeanor. I'm gonna go and marry Larson. He just seems like a good family guy. So I'm gonna go a little uh, little rational. And then Stinger, I'm taken out from a from 300 yards away. <laughs> All right, Lindsay, I'm I'm curious to see your perspective on this one. I think right off the bat, I'm gonna go ahead and whack Stinger with a fly swatter and kill him. Um, and then oh hmm. I think I would also marry Yarmo, just because I think he seems very loyal, even to people that maybe don't deserve it. And then I guess I'll just Fuck Brad Larson, because that's the only other option that I have. Interesting. Interesting. Now, me personally, um, I'm going to marry Stinger. There's just something about that plump Stinger, you know? And like we said, you know, he's going to be around a lot longer than the rest of them. I think I'm going to kill Yarmo, because I think I'm falling off the in Yarmo we trust bandwagon. Which means I'm just gonna tell Brad Larson, grab him ankles, buddy. Here it comes. All right. So f- moving on to question number two. What direction do you believe this organization is heading? We're gonna start with you this time, Scott. Direction wise, um, I think it's changed slightly from the start of the year. Um we were sold a bill of goods that was we are retooling not rebuilding the johnny hockey signing absolutely got everybody on board with a retool and not a rebuild and now i think given all the injuries and still the lack of a defensive presence and goaltending we're in a full rebuild now we're not retooling anymore this is a full-on rebuild Absolutely. I could not agree more. All right, Don, what do you think? Um, I do I do still think that the Blue Jackets are on an uphill trajectory, but I do think that uh, coming into this season, that Patrick Line injury in uh, the early happenings of that Carolina game, there's a stone slid out from underneath us, and we ended up finding ourselves hanging precariously off the side of the uh, – the hill we are climbing up. I do think we're able to get back up on the path to continue climbing upwards, but it's 
it's precarious right now. We're not on solid footing. We need to find that solid footing before we absolutely tumble into dismay. Yeah, I can see that. All right, Steve, what are you thinking? Right now, we're just treading water at this point. Uh, uh, bridging off of that, being at that first Carolina game, and just from that first period of the season, we've been we've been riddled with injuries here and there. We've we have not had a full complement roster since the first ten minutes of the season. So if someone comes back, someone goes down. It we're just treading water until we can get these injuries squared away. So where where do you think they're heading though? I mean, I understand they're treading water because of injuries, but we're going up, so we're going I still, down. Uh, still go, still going up because as we as we get the injuries back, they should be able to get back in the lineup. So I don't see us going down. I just see us getting better, especially mm-hmm. with who is out. That's fair. All right, Lindsay. Yeah, I I agree with what's been said. I was pretty optimistic about this team going into the season, and now it's really hard to get a good picture of what it would be like without the injuries. But I still I still feel optimistic that once we have all of the pieces back together and healthy and they have time to actually build chemistry with each other, that I think we are definitely treading in the right direction. Okay. Zach, where are you at? Uh, so kind of on the same page as Scott, we were sold a retool and it's nothing like that. I mean, we were talking about it last episode. I fully pulled the plug on this season. I'm hoping we tank like a motherfucker and I'm cheering on every team we play against. Uh, hopefully landing within a top three pick, but I think it's going to be anywhere between three to five years before we're in playoff contention. Okay. That's fair. I, I'm kind of in the middle with everybody. Uh, we were sold a retool, not a rebuild. Uh, I know injuries come into play, but we have injuries every year. I mean, we have 200-plus man games every year. We've had years with as many as 500. And I think it's shifted more towards a full rebuild with guys like Marcus Bjork and guys you know that came out of nowhere from Cleveland and look like they may end up playing a more predominant role in the future. So I think what was supposed to be – Two years is going to be more like five years. And I think at this point we're on a downward spiral that doesn't start coming back up until the year after next. But I'm also a pessimist. So with that being said, question three for our roundtable. What would it take for you to give up the 2023 first round pick, which could possibly be a lottery pick? So we'll start with you, the good Reverend Rodriguez. Yeah, so looking at um, what's coming up in this draft and how not optimistic I am, but our hopes of winning that draft lottery to get a Fantilli or a Connor, um, I think what I would feel comfortable with giving up that first would be a, a proven replacement for Gavrikov. I don't like uh, what it looks like uh, our chances of re-signing Gabby are. So a proven replacement for Gavrikov or a proven true number one center that's not going to eat too much of our cap space. Who do you think of when you say a proven 1C? Because Bo Horvat's name's been thrown around, and he's a 2C. He's not a 1. Yeah. Um, I don't think there are any real term-friendly 
one C's floating about there. Maybe there's one that's going under the radar. And the only two I can think of this year, are maybe Dylan Larkin and Kempe, Kemper or Kempe out in LA are going to be free agents. Yeah, I think uh, I, I like the idea of bringing in Dylan Larkin. He does eat up a bit of that cap space, though, um, especially because Detroit's going to open up the coffers to keep him, I'm certain. Um, Maybe his buddy Warinsky gets us a deal. It worked uh, with Good Branson and bringing in Johnny Hockey. Mm-hmm. So stranger things have happened. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think the most likely scenario is we keep that first for 2023. All right. Steven, what are your thoughts? I honestly don't see us either giving up that 2023, but the way the question was written is like, what would it take for me to give it up? Uh, somehow we have a three-way trade that we both land McDavid and Matthews and we work it in under, <laughs> under the cap somehow. Oh, but, that, but that is complete fantasy booking at this point. Oh, I love it. Oh, that's, that's great. All right, Lindsay, what would it take for you to give up that first round pick next year? Um, hmm. Well, my mind started to go towards a goalie, but I don't know, given our cap that's tied up in our current goaltending situation, I guess that might have to involve a trade of some sort. So the first round pick and potentially Elvis's contract as well for a goalie. I like it. I'm not going to lie. I like it. What do you think, Zach? What would it take for you to give that up? It sounds like you're still muted. Yep, yep, my bad. If we're uh, following Lindsay's trend with a goalie, uh, we send it to um, New York for uh, Shesterkin Shesterkin and uh, send Gavrikov with him and hopefully bring back Zabinishad. So, pipe dream. I like the way you think. I, I love it, yeah. All right, Scott, what would it take for you to give up the 23 first-round pick? I will also throw my pipe dream into the mix, and I'll send the number one pick to Dallas for Jake Ottinger and RoboCop. Uh, I would take Robertson in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Uh, I'm kind of on the same boat as a Don. I need, if I'm getting rid of that once, they're getting rid of that, first round pick i need a one c i don't know who i traded to but i think we got enough young defenders in the pipeline that the defense will take care of itself within the next year or two um but me personally i don't want a right winger because we are right wing heavy only a left winger because technically patrick line and johnny gaudreau are both left wingers and they need to stay separated so i need someone to put on that first line at center that can win faceoffs. I don't know who that guy is, but you give me that one C, that's the guy I would make that deal with. So, question number four. When it comes to trades, who do you consider untouchable at this point on this team? I believe we're going to start with, what, Steven this time? Yep, so I got uh, I typed down for our untouchables. I'm going the obvious, Johnny Hockey, Line A. Mr. KJ, Kent Johnson, Cole, and Yegor. So we got the established, uh, the veteran in Johnny Hockey that we brought in because we brought him in for long term. 
Line A still has that uh, that potential of a 40-50 goal scorer. And both Kate and KJ Cole and Yegor still are early in their development. Okay, interesting. Interesting. Who do you consider untouchable right now, Lindsay? Uh, yeah, I think the obvious are Johnny and Patty. Um, I would also go with with uh, KJ and Cole. But I think I would add Marshenko into that um, as well. And potentially Warinsky. I, I think... I think it's it, it's nice to have that kind of veteran presence with this defensive core we have going on right now. They're all really young, and I think it's nice to have someone with that experience there um, to kind of guide them and, and help them out as they learn. So I think I've almost forgot about him this year. He's been gone so long. I know. Sad. <laughs> all right, Zach, who do you consider untouchable? So as far as the team would not trade them, I think the only three would be Johnny Gaudreau, Kent Johnson, and Yurchek. Um, But if you look at contracts, uh, Wierenski and Elvis are both untouchable because nobody wants anything to do with that contract. Um, I, I mean, somebody brought up Igor. I think we could have definitely got him maybe two rounds lower. But, so nobody knew who he was when we drafted him. Yeah. So, yep, that's my piece. All right, Scott, who's your untouchables? I think everybody um, on my list has already been said. Obviously, Johnny and KJ are the big two. Um, I am more along the lines of I would be willing to move Patty Line A if the right name or offer came up. Um, I think the team has a lot more holes than – what we think they do and Patrick line could probably bring a pretty decent size return to fill some holes in the roster. Interesting. Interesting. What do you think of Don? Um, yeah, I think anybody would be a fool to not include Johnny Gaudreau as the untouchable. I think Kent Johnson has a lot of promise. Um, so I throw him in the untouchables. Um, Patrick line is a player who can be really frustrating to watch sometimes, especially when it comes to two-way hockey. And I know that people gave John Tortorella all the grief in the world for trying to make him a two-way player. You don't have to be the best two-way player, especially playing on the wing, but you have to play two-way hockey. Um, so some, if, with the abundance... effort just isn't there. Right. So with the abundance that we have in the forward position, especially in some of our prospects on the wings, I'm not going to put Patrick Laine on my untouchables. List. I think it's Johnny Hockey, Kent, uh, Kent Johnson, and uh, I won't even say Wierenski at this point because he plays R8 and then he gets injured for a long time and then he comes back and plays R8 and gets injured. So short roster for the, for the untouchables. Well, I'm going to go on my untouchable list. There's only one guy, and I know everybody thinks they know who it is, but you're wrong. That one guy is Jacob Borchek. He's fragile. You can't be touching him. But outside of that, I don't think there is an untouchable on this team. As bad as we are in the direction that we're going, the right deal comes along, nobody's untouchable. Nobody whatsoever. I mean, if I had to list guys that I don't want to get rid of, I'm listing guys I don't want to get rid of for the future, and I think guys like Juracek are the ones I don't want to touch. Outside of that, we're so wing heavy, nobody's untouchable in my opinion. All right, so let's go to question number five. We'll start with you this time, Lindsay. 
What would you be willing to pay to keep Vladislav Gabrikov in a Blue Jackets jersey? Mm. <sighs> well, we know we know the rumors are he's leaving at the trade deadline. That there's no negotiations whatsoever. They're not even talking. So, what would you offer up, Gabby, to keep him here making phone calls? Hmm. Okay. Well, so I think what we pay Warinsky eight nine million dollars a season. Nine point five three eight three 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 three. Okay. Admittedly, contracts are not my area of expertise. So this number could be so like you're gonna be like what? But I feel like anywhere between maybe like six. If I want him to stay, maybe the highest would be like eight million. But I would say maybe between six or eight million for yeah, like. He currently makes he currently makes two point eight as a play and way above that. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I I think between six and eight for maybe three or four years. Okay, that's a good term at that price. All right, Zach, what would you give Gabby? Uh, six point five by eight and a hand job from Yarmo monthly. <laughs> Did you say monthly? Yeah, yeah, once a month for eight years. The Deshaun Watson throw in bonuses. No, that one's not a bonus. That one's earned in the contract. Written in lotion on hand. Even if we fire Yarmo, he's coming back for that uh, for that tugger. It's happening. Oh, sorry, I had to mute my mic on that. Well, what was the number before the tuggies? <laughs> uh, I uh, six point five by eight. Six point five by eight. Okay. Yeah. Then what's twelve times eight? Uh, ninety six. So ninety six tuggers. Oh, it's a good thing I love you. Somebody has to. All right, Scott, what would you give Gabby? Uh, I think six and a half for eight is probably the right term. Um, falls in line with what, what Lindholm and Fowler and Krug are all getting. Um, I'll throw in the double wristers from Yarmo, and then I'll also get rid of the chili chant for him. Sold. Let's do it. Write it no! up. All right, uh, Adon, what would you give Gabby to keep him here making phone calls? Yeah, I like the uh, eight-year term everybody's been throwing out. I say no less than five and a half, although it seems like that's kind of where they're arguing right now is over that five and a half, so we'll see if that happens. Um, if Eric Goodbranson can command $4 million for four years, I think Gavrikov can command eight for eight. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Steve, what would you pay Gabby? Uh, yeah, so as you mentioned earlier, he's making two point eight million. Uh, I would go six by eight. Uh, that would be more than a hundred percent salary increase, which we all know we would love a hundred percent salary increase. Um, and just looking, so looking at the cap for next year, we're currently at seventy two point five million. So that we got the room, and there's a good chance that there's going to be eight two point five still on LTIR next year. Very true. Me personally, I love Gavrikov, and I think the best thing that happened to him this year is all the injuries because he's got to play a bigger role, and we've got to see him do more things and fill that role. And the fact that the guy can take a puck to the face, put on a face shield, come back, take the face shield off, get hit in the face two more times, and still doesn't miss a game, the guy's durable, which is something we need on our defense because we have two guys out with torn labrums. we got two guys that as soon as the puck touches their feet, they just fall apart. So – 
Me personally, he, I consider him the most valuable defender we got on the defensive side. I know everybody looks at Zach Wierenski as our best defender, but he's an offensive defenseman, and I'm old school. I like defensive defensemen. So I would throw as much as 7.2 at him, and I would let him pick the term. If he wanted three years, fine. If he wanted five, fine. If he wanted eight, I would throw as much as I could to get eight out of him, but I think I would throw 7.2 for four at him. So moving on from Gabby, the next question is, do you believe today, right now, today, Kent Johnson is a center? And we're back to you, Zach. You'll start this one. As of right now, no. Um, I think he's filling that spot due to injury. He needs to put on 15 to 20 pounds and go to a couple face-off camps during this offseason. Because you said, what, he's holding a 25.6% face-off percentage right now? Yeah, every game he's between 24 and 27%. Yeah, so as of right now, no, but he's filling that spot. So on our roster, yes. Let me ask you this. I'll add on to that a, a, a point B on the question. Is he a third line center, just not a first line center? I think he's kind of what you're talking about with Bemstrom to where he's going to shine in a top six role. If you push him down farther in the lineup, he's not going to do anything. He's too high or he's too much of a high skill player to push him down in the lineup. And if you push him down in one of those checking lines, you're going to risk injury. He's not going to get enough ice time to develop, and he's not going to become what you want him to. I, I can agree with that. All right, Scott, what are your thoughts on KJ as a center right now today? He is absolutely not a center today. He was moved due to necessity. The dude weighs 126 pounds soaking wet. A soft wind blows him over. Yeah. He should be on the wing for the foreseeable future. Um, he's in no way, shape, or form, a 1C right now. Okay, I'll give you the same question. Do you think he's a 3C? Uh, same answer as Zach. He weighs 126 pounds. He's going to get broken in half if he's a 3C. Nice. I think we're all going to pretty much agree on this one. All right, Don, what are your thoughts on KJ in the middle? Yeah, uh, Ken Johnson was a draft pick that kind of threw me for a loop. I was excited to see Kent Johnson drafted, big Michigan fan. When I heard that they were drafting him to have him play center with a guy who is not big enough to play center in college, I right. let me, let me did not have very positive. Let me uh, ask you, as a big Michigan fan, you watch a lot of Michigan hockey. Am I wrong in saying the last two years he was there that 99% of the time he played second line right wing, didn't he? If I'm not mistaken, he was second line. That top line was stacked beyond belief for that college program, right, though. right. Well, I don't think right, it was due to lack of ability or lack of size. No, no. I think he, he filled that line uh, excellently. That was uh, excellent positioning. Right, by, but the last two years he was playing right wing, wing, not center, center correct? Right. Um, and I, I feel like it's happened more times than it should. We bring in guys who are not centers with the hopes that they will be able to play center. And that is my biggest gripe with Yarmo Kekalainen as a GM, the guy who makes the draft decisions. Draft a center. If you have to fall back a couple of spots in the draft lottery to draft a center, that's fine. There have been some excellent centers not go in the top five, top eight. Right, because they take longer to develop. 
exactly. So, no, I don't think Kent Johnson is ready to be a center yet. I'm not going to put it past a guy who plays the game the way Kent Johnson plays to become a center at some point. The size needs to get there. The face-offs, obviously, you have to get there. I'm not too displeased with his defensive play um, at center over the past couple of weeks, but, um, no, he's not a first, second, third, or fourth-line center. Maybe he's a second-line center in the AHL. Cool. Steve, what are your thoughts on KJ in the middle? Got to keep echoing. No, he is definitely not a center. Uh, he def- he needs this summer if he wants to be a center, or just in general, he needs to hit the wet the uh, weight room. He's been getting pushed off the buck way too easily, and just even the wrong hit at the wrong time, even not on those checking lines, he could get hurt really bad. Especially with like how, as I said, Jamie Ben just kept pushing him off the puck the other week. That's what I kept bringing up on the last episode. With one arm, he was pushing him off the puck. So yeah, all right. Lindsay, what are your thoughts on KJ at center? Uh, I don't have too much to add. I basically agree with what everyone said. I don't really think it's the role for him at this point in time. Um, But, you know, I guess maybe in the future. But right now, no. I'm going to have to agree with everybody. I don't believe he's a center. Um, He came to us in Michigan. From Michigan, he was playing right wing. He went to the Olympics. He was playing right wing. And World Juniors, he was playing right wing. He's 165 pounds soaking wet. And as Steve had brought up, we watched Jamie Ben push him off the puck with one hand. Uh, the guy is a wizard with the puck. I do not question his skill level whatsoever. The guy's hockey IQ is, a, is way off the charts. The guy is an excellent hockey player. He was not a bad draft pick. But force feeding him to center is not going to make anybody better. And adding to what Adon had said, we did the same thing with Texier. We drafted him as a winger, and we decided we're going to make him a center. Never worked. So draft centers. Luca Del Bell Blues, we got a spot waiting for you. All right, question seven for the roundtable. What would you be willing to give up to dump Elvis Merz-Lincoln's contract? For those of you that are not aware, he makes 54 I believe he has four more years left on that after this season. So, Scott, we're going to start with you on the Elvis talk. Uh, I'll take a bag of pucks, and I will offer to drive him to whatever destination takes him. I will show up at his house with a U-Haul. I'll load the U-Haul, and I'll drive him and drop him off at the arena. And that's a hell of a drive for you because you live in Indianapolis. Yeah, it uh, Trade him to Anaheim. I'll drive him to Anaheim from Columbus. Oh, dude, I would trade him to Anaheim for Josh Gibson in a minute. Yeah, it's not going to take a whole lot from me to convince me to get rid of Elvis at this point. Nice. All right. Adon, what would it take for you to unload Elvis's contract? I'm a big fan of Elvis as a personality. I want him to succeed and be successful. I just finished watching season two of Ted Lasso. I would love for them to get the, the the sports psychiatrist that they brought in to basically fix that entire team to it's come in show. to Elvis to figure out what's going on there because it's it's mind boggling. He is not twenty twenty three levels of bad normally, um, but to unload that cap space and move on past the Elvis experiment if that's what's best, 
Um, I'll do what everybody else says twice. So, if so it's driving him to Anaheim and back and then Anaheim again, I'll do that. So you would do a well check after you got him there? No, I'm leaving him where the, wherever the fuck I drop him off. Right, but you make a It'd second trip. Just, so just do a well check, make sure he's okay in Anaheim. Make sure he stays there and doesn't follow me back, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Steve, what would you do to unload that contract? Uh, dump the chili chant. Bye-bye, Elvis. Bye-bye, chili chant. So, so they're connected now. Yes. I find it so funny. So many of us believe that any other team in the league would want the chili chant for anything. I agree. All right, Lindsay, what would you do to unload Elvis's contract? Okay, wait. Am I supposed to say like another player I would give up or like whatever? Whatever you would do to unload that contract, a trade you would make. Um, I mean, uh, whatever you think it would take to unload that contract. Yeah, a cap dump like that, or, you usually have to get a, give up an asset to kind of get rid of them. Or you can always take the other stance that you think Elvis is the guy. No, 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 not that stance. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I do have to agree. Like, I like his his personality and his presence and everything, but I I think I've learned you can't get attached to a player for that reason. Like if they are just dragging the team down, then sorry, but you got to go. So I definitely think I would dump the contract or give it up. Um, I think we would probably have to retain some of his salary. Um, probably. Gosh, how much of that would I be willing to retain though? 5.4. I mean, the buyout. Someone someone gave us the buyout numbers on Twitter last week. It's like 2.8 to buy him out over six years, seven years. 2.8 is seven years to buy him out and just release him. So you're going to have to retain at least 2.6. Okay. So let's just go with that as the minimum. We'll retain that much. And I would even throw in Gabranson um, with that. So whoever – whoever I, I know you're shaking your head. No one wants him either. <laughs> Um, I, I am one of like three Gabranson defenders. Really? Oh, okay. So maybe you. Sh- okay, I see. But once again, like we said, I am a defensive defenseman guy. But does he even do that? Maybe that's another question. I I would keep him just for ragdoll purposes alone. Okay. Well, yeah. Ah, I'm still gonna give him up. I'll offer him and an Elvis to whoever will take it, and we'll retain at least $2.6 million worth of his contract. So I, I like the way you think though. So we're clearing up 9.4. We keep 2.6. That's still 6.8. We got to play with. That's not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. All right, Zach, what would you do to unload that contract? So we were talking about this a little bit earlier. Um, realistically, if we move them, I think it's going to be a part of the Gabrikov deal and we're going to end up taking a little bit less. Uh, I think we move Gavrikov and Elvis 25% retained on Elvis for a 23 first. Who's 23 first? Ooh, Lottery team um, or playoff team? I think it's a team that's getting ready to push into a playoff position. Uh, okay, so you're, up a you're, you're dealing with a fringe team. Uh, I'm talking uh, about Buffalo. Ooh, Interesting. Uh, Buffalo's got Craig Anderson, who's pushing the age of 86 years old. Uh, fuck, fuck you. He's five years younger than me. Yeah, so he's 86. Um, so if they pick up a goalie that they hope with a chain of, 
change of scenery will kind of help things. Uh, and then pick up a solid first to second pair left defenseman uh, to kind of complement er, Rasmus Dahlin and give up that 23 first because they have a chance of making it this year. That's true. They could be like one of the first teams out. So with some lottery luck, I like that idea. That's not a bad idea. Me personally, oh my God, I'm kind of on board with Scott and Adon. Like, I'll offer my services. I'll I'll drive. I'll pack. I'll retain seventy five percent. Dude, just is a head case. Great personality, but like I've said for years, his name was Bill Mers Lincoln's. Nobody would have gave a shit. So we might even work out a deal that the new GM gives him the same tuggers that you're giving Gavrikov from Yarmo, whatever it takes. I would move that deal in a heartbeat, in an absolute heartbeat. So let's move on to question number eight. In the 2023 draft, outside of Bedard and Fantilli, who would you like with a top five pick in the draft? And I'm sorry, guys, if you don't know prospects, this was my question. So we'll start with you, Adon. Outside of the two biggins, who are you looking to grab? So, yeah, I'm not super deep into the weeds on prospects. I did a little bit of uh, research once I got the uh, questions list. I found this prospect. Will Smith plays for the uh, uh, US NDTP. He's a 17-year-old kid. He is what... Everybody is saying Kent Johnson needs to be to be that true center. Uh, six foot, 172 pounds, shoots right. Um, his draft rank projection is anywhere from uh, 17 or 7 to 33. So that gives us a wide berth, a decent chance at picking up that kid. Um, if we exactly. can't get Bernard, can't get. Uh, exactly. as high as number four right now. So he would fall right into oh, the really? five. Yeah. And he is already a center. We don't have to pick up a right winger who, if we're lucky, could play center. Bingo. All right, Steve, who you looking draft outside of the big two? And there's uh, so there's one that um, that wasn't listening to the two. Is also is uh, Michkov. That's the other one. But the problem with Michkov out of Russia is he's another right winger. So. But he's the other, the, problem, uh, the other problem is he's another Krill Marchenko. He plays in the KHL. When can we get him? Exactly. Uh, how how long is it going to be until he can come over to the U.S.? Uh, but yeah, it's, it's Bedard, Fantilli, and and then Marchenko would be that the third if we couldn't get the first two. Or Michkov. Michkov, yeah. Yeah. All right, Lindsay, who are you looking at? So I also didn't know a lot about the um, upcoming prospects. So I was just looking around doing a little research and a name that stood out to me, I'm probably going to butcher it, but Dvorsky, um, he is a center. He's 6'1", 200 pounds, shoots left. Um, they describe him as being a legit threat um, just based off of his shot, his skill, his vision. He's deadly in the offensive zone. I think that sounds exactly like the type of player that we need, um, especially um, a first-line center. Nice. I like it. All right. Uh, 
Did I start with you, Zach? Is it my turn or is it your turn? Uh, it's me. Okay. Um, Losing track of where we started. So, started, like we started with a dawn. I got it. Yeah. So, like we've talked about, I'm a big <clears throat> prospect guy. Uh, biggest issue with Dvorsky is he's a pure offense player. Um, and I mean, when you're trying to pair first line with pure offense guys like Johnny Gaudreau, who don't back check whatsoever, you got to look at players like Leo Carlson, who's placed to go around four. You stole my is, answer. I'm sorry, which is where we're projected to go. Uh, six foot three, 198 pounds right now. Big, strong two way center. He's a bit slow, but when he gets with the skating coaches in the NHL, that'll help a little bit. Cole Sillinger was listed as slow with heavy skates as well. Yeah, he, he's that pure two-way center that you're looking for, a high-end player. He's like a PLD with more skill. Yep. Yep, and you stole my answer. All right, Scott, who are you looking at outside of the two, the big two? Carlson was also my answer um, <laughs> for the exact same reasons that Zach just stated. Um, another name I thought that we could throw in the mix is uh, Braden Yeager, another guy who can play center. Um, I think yeah, this, this draft is like what five of the top six are centers. Yeah, yeah. And Braden it just was... so happens that our obvious need is a center, and we have actual legitimate guys that can be drafted to play center. So I think either way, we're in a good situation. But Carlson would have been my pick. Yeah, Jaeger's my second choice. That's an absolutely fun prospect. Yeah, I mean, obviously, well, here's a here's a shocker. I mean, when, when you have a choice between Bedard and Fantilli, I actually I actually like Fantilli better. Um, but I know we can't pick those two. Leo Carlson and Mitchkov were my two, which both have already been taken. Well, I think worries me about Mitchkov is he's another right winger. He's another KHL guy. We don't know when he'll get here. Leo Carlson, he's 6'3", 185 pounds. He's a two-way center. He's exactly what we need. He does have the ability to play left wing if he's not ready to be a center at the NHL level, but he is an actual center that can play wing, not a wing that can play center. So my choice outside of the big two would be Leo Carlson first, Mitchkov second. Also like the Will Smith one. That's not a bad bad one there either, Adon. So, all right, Steve had to jump out, so now we're down to just the five of us. But we'll move on to question number nine. Do you think the NHL lottery is rigged? And I believe Scott – no, who's starting this one? I've lost track now with, with Steve jumping out. Don started the last one. So okay, Lindsay, Lindsay, okay. you're up first. Do you believe the NHL lottery is rigged? Yeah, hundred percent. I think a lot of stuff about the NHL is rigged um, because they cater towards certain teams that they think would, would have... they be original six teams or big city teams? Yes, a hundred percent. Those teams that they think have bigger markets, which I've always just thought is so silly and redundant. Because why wouldn't you want to build up the markets of the other teams that you have so you could just have a well-rounded league um, and I think there are lots of markets probably like Columbus where it's growing and the fan base is getting bigger and hockey is becoming more of a prominent sport in that city. And the NHL just continues to ignore that. So I definitely think it's rigged and I definitely don't think they're going to let Columbus get the first round pick or the, the first overall pick. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. They just don't let us. They just don't let us have one, period. So, 
All right. Um, let's see. Zach, where are you at on is the lottery rigged? Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at New Jersey, who's jumped up in the lottery multiple times the past year, Edmonton, Toronto. Um, but, I mean, Lindsay, to answer your question, the reason they don't, you know, let those original six or bigger market teams struggle for longer is because those teams don't have to deal with the dog days for as long because that's where a majority of their viewership's coming from. And if they start to lose that, that's when the NHL loses a lot of money. So for them on a business standpoint, it's much smarter for them to give those bigger teams the higher end players and a bigger chance to win. Because, I mean, at the same time, you're going to get more viewership out of Toronto winning than you are Columbus winning. It's it's just from a money standpoint, it sucks. But, yes, the lottery is absolutely rigged. <laughs> All right, Scott, what are your opinions on the lottery? Yes, it's absolutely rigged, and I look forward to drafting fourth overall this year. <laughs> Nice, short, sweet. All right, Adon. All right, I believe the NHL draft is rigged. I don't believe it's rigged the way that some others might. I think that the good people at the NHL, the good people at Ernst & Young who audit the NHL draft, keep everything above board. I think God hates us. And I think God has deliberately kept Columbus out of that number one pick. Because, I don't know, he's a Penguins fan? Who knows? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I, you know, am not a conspiracy theorist. Wink, wink. Um, not only do I believe the NHL lottery is rigged, I believe the NBA lottery is rigged. The frozen envelopes, the weighted balls, the fact that they don't even do it in front of us now, they just bring out envelopes, makes it so much easier. I mean, we saw last year what the only team to move up was the Seattle Kraken. Really? That's the only team that moved up? So, NHL, you want to prove me wrong? Prove me wrong this year. That's all I can say. All right. So, prove it's not rigged by rigging it for us. Yeah. Right, exactly. Prove it's not rigged by rigging it for us. Okay, so this next question ought to be a fun one. With the rumors of Seattle and Las Vegas getting an outdoor game next year, when do you think the Blue Jackets will get or participate in an outdoor game? So, who's up on this one? It's, we're back to Zach, aren't we? Yep, yep, yep. Um, so, they said it's going to happen within the next tw- next five years. So, coming from 2022, uh, 2027 would be the last season, 27-28. So, I think we're going to get the 26-27 game, and I'm going to go ahead and throw it out and say it's against Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh or in Cleveland? At Heinz Field. Heinz Field. All right, Scott, what do you think about two expansion teams playing in an outdoor game and us not? Uh, once again, CBJ rule, 614 rule. Um, we're going to be getting it probably 27-28, and it'll absolutely be away. And knowing our luck, it'll be somewhere in Florida. <laughs> are we playing the Panthers? No, we're playing or are we Tampa playing Bay. Tampa? Playing Tampa? Tampa? Oh, interesting. That is uh, talking about going off the board. It's not a bad matchup with the sweep, though. There's a little bit of history there. Yeah. All right, Adon, what are your thoughts on outdoor game? Yeah, I agree with Scott that it's definitely going to be in Florida. That was something I'd been sitting on for the past hour or so now. And Scott uh, stepped on my punchline. So thanks, Scott. I love you dearly. Um, We just had the Global Series, and we're absolutely humiliated. 
So I think that if they haven't already made the schedule to put us at that last game before everybody's played one, they certainly have by now. It'll be, what's that, the 27-28 season? Uh, yeah, this is 22-23, so it'll be 27-28. They said within five years, everybody will have played in one. Yeah, it'll be that one, and it'll be in some ridiculous market like Florida or Arizona, someplace where you shouldn't be able to play outside hockey, but they figured it out because for some reason we can't figure it out here in Columbus. I'm sure it has nothing to do with Ohio State and the garbage director of athletics there. Synthetic uh, ice pads. Uh, exactly. I pay his salary. He's a state employee. I pay his salary. We're going to play a roller taxes? hockey outdoor game. All right, Lindsay, what are your thoughts? And uh, give me at least 30 seconds. I'm going to grab a napkin because I just spilled heavy cream all over my desk. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man. 30 seconds worth of talking. Oh, like I need to talk? Oh, yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Um, okay, so I was looking for a tweet that I had tweeted last year. Just an interesting fact, I guess, um, that I had noticed was that of, of the 32 teams in the NHL, 14 of those teams have played in a winter classic in the last 14 years. And nine of those 14 teams have had two or more appearances. And obviously the Blue Jackets are not one of those. So I... Um, I'm not, you know, very optimistic about us ever getting one in Ohio. I think that's pretty obvious at this point. Um, I guess if you're saying that they claim every team will get one in the next five years, then we'll probably be one of the very last teams to to get that. But I still don't even believe that um, at this point. I, I don't understand why teams like well, I guess I do understand. I do and I don't understand why the newer teams would be getting these Winter Classic games um, over teams that have been in the league for 20 years. But we just talked about it. The NHL is great. Hey, um, I 100% agree with you on that one. I don't understand why Seattle and Vegas are getting an outdoor game before us. No. We've been here 20 years. Yeah. I Bigger think market cities, more money. Bullshit. Yeah. I, I, that's why I say I understand, I guess, from a, a marketing perspective. But um, I think Columbus has shown that they would definitely um, – we would definitely, you know um, – oh, my gosh, what's the word I'm thinking of? I don't know. But we show would definitely – yeah, yeah, we would definitely, yeah, exactly. We would show up, and we would we would make it worth it. Um, and we've really voiced, been vocal about our desire to have an outdoor game, and they're just like, oh, don't care. So I think that goes back to the NHL being rigged slash God hating us slash we just don't make them enough money. So I don't know. Yeah, we uh, we talked about this a couple episodes ago, but if you really want to show the franchise and the league as a whole how this franchise can show up for an outdoor game, go to the Monsters outdoor game in March. Tickets are, tickets are cheap. It's going to be a great time. The Bucket and Boomer crew is going to be there. It's going to be an absolute blast. Buy tickets, show up exactly where i was going yes i'm going to that too so i'm very excited to to see that well the interesting thing is they're going to play in cleveland and they're going to play the wilkesbury scranton penguins against our cleveland monsters so i think that is foreshadowing that if we show up and show out at this game i think it's going to be a neutral site game against the penguins i really do if we lay a fucking egg then we're traveling to Ann Arbor to play Detroit or we're traveling to Pittsburgh to play the Penguins. 
And if we don't show up and show out in Cleveland this year, it will be the last year. It will be 27-28. If we show up and show out, there's a good chance it's next year. Next year. So, going on to our next question. Stinger. Yay or nay? If nay, what would you replace Stinger with? And we are back to you, Scott. I'm going to go with yay. Um, based on, do we have confidence in the organization who's already gotten rid of Boomer? What If we get rid of Stinger, what's next? I feel like we stop the line at Stinger and just take what we have, knowing that whatever might come next might be worse than what we already have. <laughs> An absolute pessimist. I love it. All right, Don Stinger, yay or nay? Uh, yes, definitely in on Stinger. And I feel like if Stinger were to ever be replaced, it wouldn't just be Stinger being replaced. It would be the banner of the Blue Jackets as a whole. It would be an entire shift in uh, branding, new team name, new president of hockey operation, total clean slate, everything short of relocating the team to a different city. All right, Lindsay, Stinger, yay or nay? Mm, Just to create some drama, I'm going to say nay. And I'm going to say we just replace him with like a literal jean jacket or like a blue jacket. And that's it. So we just go straight 1980s jean jacket. (laughs) Yep. Nice. Zach, Stinger, yay or nay? Um, absolutely nay. Bring back our phallic god, Boomer. But uh, kind of on what Adon said, um, I've already tweeted out like a week ago asking if we could rebuild our entire franchise. So, uh, yeah, go ahead, bring back the Columbus Chill and just rebrand from there. I like it. I miss the Chill. I'm old enough to have seen Chill Games live. Uh, Stinger, yay or nay? Um, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Up until about two minutes ago, I was an absolute nay. And Adon, you have converted me. I am scared to think of what they would come up with next. So because of that reason, hundred percent yay. Let's keep Stinger. Stinger, follow me back. This is bullshit. You hang out behind me every game. I, I don't know what you're waiting on. Just give me that follow back. Yeah, me too, motherfucker. All right. So, all right. Next question. Biggest surprise player this season so far. So biggest surprise, positive, not negative. Your biggest surprise, positive. Uh, Are we starting with Scott or Adon? I forget. Let's go Uh, Scott. Scott Hawking. Scott Hawking. Biggest surprise? Um, I've actually got three. Um, Marchenko, just in the short time that he's been up, has been – a pleasant surprise. And then the other two are obviously Marcus Bjork and Tim Bernie, I think have been two real bright spots given all the injuries um, that are guys that can actually play in the league. And we wanted to see what the rebuild would look like. And we're slowly but surely seeing what some of the prospects can actually offer up at the big league level. Yep. Some of those guys are really coming into their own. Adon, biggest surprise positive so far. So, yeah, I'm going to agree with Scott on uh, Marcus Bjork being the biggest surprise. 
Um, nobody expected him to be up here. Uh, he's here because of the injuries. And certainly nobody expected him to be playing as an experienced NHL or the way that he has been um, up to this point. I'm going to push back a little bit on Tim Bernie. I think Tim Bernie has come up and done what you would want an AHL guy to do, play noticeably unnoticeable hockey, um, not getting brought up a whole lot during the games. He's he's doing his job. Uh, Which is a good um, point because in Cleveland the last two years, Tim Bernie was an offensive defenseman, and he right. has taken his new role. He's like a little Gavrikov. Yeah. He, he does the defensive work that a lot of the guys just aren't – they don't play that way on our defense, which is which is fine. That's kind of the way that the game is going, but you do still need those defensive guys. So Tim Birdie has been noticeably unnoticeable, so I wouldn't say that that is a big surprise. He's he's met the expectations. And then Kirill Marchenko, I think, is only a surprise in the sense of once we were told he was going to the AHL, I don't think many of us were expecting to see him up here for any prolonged period of time. I figured he would light it up in the AHL for a year, and then once uh, we shipped off Gabby because they didn't want to pony up for him, we'd see Marchenko up here. Or I'm sorry, not Gabby. Um, Gus Nyquist. We'd see Marchenko up here. Gotcha. All right, Lindsay, your biggest surprise this year? Well, unfortunately, I am going to have to be a copycat and just go with Marcus Bjork. It was actually – yeah, it was something I had been thinking about. Uh, gosh, I can't even remember whatever game I attended last because I just remember thinking how noticeable he was and how I was surprised by that because I didn't really know his name. I didn't really think anything of him. He didn't cross my mind. But I just think whether I'm watching on TV or I'm at the game, he is a player that I notice every time and he has consistent effort no matter if we're getting completely just annihilated or if we are you know if we're killing it he is there giving 100 percent effort each time and that is much appreciated right now zach your biggest surprise um so i'm gonna go with one pick and then two honorable mentions um so kind of gonna piggyback on a don here but i'm a big tim bernie guy uh i focus a lot on prospects and like advanced or advanced analytics uh, he's been a, so much about your personality. He's been a great defensive player this year. Uh, as we, some people have said, he hasn't been noticeable, but if you watch a defensive end of the ice, he's been one of our best defensive players on the ice this year. And one of the best defensive players we've seen on the ice in the past two, three years, uh, just takeaways and the way he's commanding the puck in the defensive zone is phenomenal, especially for that young of a player. I hope we see more of them. But when we get into – go ahead. Well, with the injuries, you're probably going to see more of these guys because the guys we got can't stay healthy. So uh, when we go into honorable mentions, I'm going to talk about when we took that trip up to Cleveland. Uh, Ollie Bjorkvik home. Yeah, I'm surprised he, he has not been called up yet because he's the next one. You, There was no, not a chance you did not see him on the ice. He looked phenomenal when we took that trip up there. He's a smoother skater than the eight guys we have up here right now on defense. An absolutely amazing flow. Just going to touch that in there. He's an Adonis. Uh, Such a beautiful, beautiful man. And while we're talking about that second uh, honorable mention, I'm going to bring up Emil Bamstrom here. 
Uh, I was mainly high on him because we were sitting here giving you shit. For those of you don't, that don't know, I was the Little Bimmer CBJ account. I uh, Little Bimmer here was really low on him this offseason. Always talking shit, wanted nothing to do with him. So I, I figured I'd give him some shit. But amazing two-way play when he was in the top six. Played great. Four points in seven games. Amazing, amazing prospect to look forward to. My biggest surprise, uh, I will piggyback off the rest of you, uh, Marcus Bjork. Uh, the guys we have here and the guys we have in Cleveland, the ones that I thought would be getting called up, Marcus Bjork was not on my list. He he did not make my bingo card. I, I thought, you know, Tim Bernie would be coming up. I thought Jake Christensen would be coming up. I thought Ole Bjork back form would be coming up. But for Bjork to get that shot and to take advantage of it the way he is hands down he is 100 my biggest surprise this year and it's him and not marchinko because after going to traverse city i saw marchinko i've been telling you guys this dude is a 200 foot player he just needs to adjust the ice so what Marchinko's doing is not a surprise to me what marcus bjork is doing big time surprise so following that one up we're going to do our biggest surprise positive What's your biggest disappointment out of a player this year? And we'll start with you, Adon. Uh, so we're going to leave are the injuries. Before, yeah. you, before you do this, are we all picking Gabranson? Because if we're all picking Gabranson, <laughs> I'm just going to end the stream now. I'm um, not going to pick Gabranson. He has not been right, as disappointing as the individual that I've highlighted. Uh, so we're going to leave injuries alone, leave injuries out of it, because uh, there's too fucking many of them, and I could talk ad nauseum about how disappointed I am that I've, we've not had Nick Blankenberg throughout the early the early goings of this campaign. As high as anybody is on any of our guys, I'm high on Nick Blankenberg. What the fuck are you showing? Just how much I've drank tonight. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> but Sorry, squirrel. Right. Looking, <laughs> looking past all the injuries, my biggest disappointment this year has been Jack Roslovic. Um you know, local kid makes big, finally makes it to the big club, has a middling start after the trade, flashes of success, and then, after you know, the he, trade, he, he was like, we won the trade because we got Jack Rosselbeck. Right. That's almost what it felt like towards the end of that season was he was the deciding factor in whether or not we won the PLD and line A trade. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, it's just, that the, those last 20, 25 games of last season have not translated at all to his scoring ability. His turnovers have been atrocious this season. Oh, just it's, it's out there. painful to watch. I last season looked at Jack Rosovic every time he had possession of the puck with so much hope and optimism. And now I see Jack Rosovic and I expect a turnover with as much confidence as I expect. Eric Robinson to sail it straight into the logo on the goalie when he's on a breakaway. Or as Lil Boomer would say, here comes Eric Robinson. Eric Robinson. Yeah, there's a shot to the moon. <laughs> All right, Lindsay, who's your biggest disappointment this year? Um, hmm. There's a lot, really. Jack Roslovic definitely. Yeah, I one. I know. Um... <sighs> Gosh, I kind of, well, I don't know. I kind of want to say maybe this would be a surprise, but I kind of want to say Patty. Um, I know he's 
he's been up and down with the with the injuries this season. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did what? you, Lindsay Cusson, just say Patrick Line is your biggest disappointment? Please yeah. continue. Everyone, shut up and listen. <laughs> I mean, I still love him. He's still fabulous, but um, I just think watching him play since he's been back. I okay. So his initial game back versus Win- Winnipeg was amazing, incredible. But ever since that game, I feel like he's just been so, I don't know, I watching him play is just like, what is going on? He's so slow. He's not really putting in very much effort until we're in the like last five seconds of the game and he's just, you know, shooting shot after shot after shot trying to get a goal. It's like, well, wh- where was that effort the entire rest of the game? And I just think it's been pretty frustrating to watch because I think... I know that he is someone that has more potential than what he's right. giving right now. He just had a four-point game. We were like, oh, he finally broke out of it. Yeah. No. 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 I mean, with the uh, amount of time that he's spent out, he's still third in goals on our team. I know. So, I mean, stats-wise, it's like, okay, whatever. But just when I watch him play, it's frustrating. It's disappointing. I know Something he can do better. Off. Yeah, it's off. I don't know what. I don't know if it's just he's maybe afraid to get injured again because it just feels like he's not really like – I know he's never really been a two-way player, um, but he really doesn't – But his put- defense has improved in the last year and a half. Yeah. But it's just like – it's almost like it's an effort thing this year. At some yeah. points, he would just rather skate to the bench than go lift a stick. Yep. yep. So I, I can I definitely see exactly where you're coming from. Yeah, it's disappointing because I know he can do better, and hopefully he will, but that's my disappointment so far. All right, Zach, who's your biggest disappointment this year? Um, I mean, everybody already said Jack Rosselvick, but that was pretty low. Or just, not yeah, but just pretty. go ahead and do it again. You've been bashing him for two years. I mean, I went ahead and tweeted out the picture that said uh, everybody hates him because he was right, the Jack Rosselvick picture. Um, but everybody's already said that, so I'm going to shy away. Uh, we're going to go with Adam Boakfist. I like Adam Boakfist as a player. Don't get me wrong. Neff thinks I hate him. The guy cannot stay healthy. It's the jersey. It's not the jersey. It's the five foot ten defenseman with a fat, flashy play style that cannot stay healthy. It's. I don't think it has anything to do with him wearing 27. I think it has everything to do with him. Well, we'll change the number, we'll find out. Yeah, I mean, it's – I don't know. Um, that's one person that's I can good see one. as being a candidate to go on the trade block later. It's Okay. All right, Scott, who's your biggest disappointment this year? Uh, biggest disappointment, along with everybody else, it's obviously Jack and Good Branson. Um, but God, I thought we were going to make the whole segment without Good Branson. I'll circle back to – biggest surprise in a positive note and someone who wasn't mentioned who I think everybody can admit was a good surprise is Matthew Olivier. Olivier has been a very positive person on this roster through a very trying time. Yeah. And you can tell the guys love him when he got that first goal and threw the monkey off his back, the guys just, they, they, he's definitely well liked in this locker room. So, all right, my biggest disappointment. Let's see. My biggest disappointment. I'm going to go off the board. It's the coaching staff. Um, I did not want Brad Larson from the get-go. 
when Tortorella said he was leaving, did not want Brad Larson at all. And we got Brad Larson and then the Kibby thing happened and he jumped in a car and drove to Michigan and we all fell in love with Brad Larson. And then we did better than expected last year during a rebuild. And we all kind of got hoodwinked, fooled, bamboozled, whatever metaphor you want to use. But the coaching staff as a whole has just been my biggest disappointment this year. The players, I believe, are a product of the coaching staff. And there's too many players that have disappointed me this year to just pick out one. And too many coaches that have disappointed me to just pick out one. So I'm just going to pick the staff as a whole or even go up one notch and say it's Yarmo's fault for putting this staff together. So Yarmo and JD, you're my biggest disappointment. Just to add on to that point, uh, when you look at the coaching staff, you definitely have to be disappointed in the strength and conditioning coach. When you look at how many injuries we've had, between uh, guys going into the boards the wrong way, taking pucks to the thumb and having broken thumbs. I can't believe we haven't fired our our strength and conditioning coach yet. You can quote me on that one. I've I've brought that point up before, and people just killed me. I'm so lying. If you're playing a strength and conditioning coach for the shape of our team this year, we're not friends. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's go on to the next question. At the trade deadline – what three jackets do you think will be on the move? I believe we are at you, Lindsay, to start this one. Okay, so I think potentially Roslovic. I think, hmm. Oh my gosh, sorry, my cats are fighting. Um, so, yeah, I think Roslovic. I think maybe Jake Bean. I don't know. He's kind of like, eh. I don't know if we trade him. He's out for the year. Oh, true. Mm, okay, maybe not. Um, Hold on. I'm looking at the roster. I don't know. Kind of. I know Liam Foodie's young. No, he's young. Well, I don't know. I've never okay. been very impressed with Liam Foodie. I would say okay. Liam Foodie. Is Liam Foodie any good? No. So, get rid of him. Get rid of Roslovic. And I don't like Eric Robinson either. Well, I don't know, because he's good for our uh, penalty kill. But that's about it. And that's it. about it. Yeah. But, but I if don't you're like- going to go down on a shorty and shoot it into the big net, we got seven other guys can do that. Exactly. And they'll actually hit the damn net. So, yeah, get rid of Robinson, too. That's what I So think. you're going Robinson, Roslovic, and who was the other one? Foodie. Uh, Foodie. All right. Zach, who you see moving at the trade deadline? Uh, if you get rid of Robinson, you're also getting rid of Gaudreau's best friend, and that's gonna that's gonna They're cut not out best some friends. Good Branson's They're, best friend. They train together every off season. They're real close. Um, but like I said earlier, Gabrikov is the obvious one. Uh, he's there's a good chance he's gone because he's probably not resigning here. He's definitely not resigning here. Let's be honest. Russians don't like us. But uh, and then Adam Boakvist, not out for the season, but is made of glass. I thought the safe light sponsorship was going to help us there, but it hasn't done shit. How funny was it? He come back and everybody asked what was the under over under on uh, <laughs> games, and I said three and a half, and he actually was hurt in under three and a half minutes. Three twenty four. Crazy um, that guy. I, I even texted it to our group chat beforehand. Yeah. And then I'm going to take an off-the-board one here, uh, something I talked to you about personally earlier. 
Uh, yeah, I, I can see you. <laughs> Give me that side eye there. Um, okay. I, I think Yarmo made a mistake with taking Igor Chinikov as high as he did. And he's kind of improving his value right now. He's going to be nothing but a middle to bottom six forward in his career. And if we can get more than what he's worth out of him right now, you may as well. His stock is as high as it would ever be right now. So, good point. All right, Scott, what three players you see moving at the deadline? I'm going to go fairly obvious answers, I think. Um, Gavi, obviously number one for all the reasons that have already been stated. He's not going to be here next year. Um, along the same lines, Gus Nyquist, um, expiring deal, send him to a contender, see if he can win a ring. And then I think Corpy's the other one. Um, the talk always seems to come up trade deadline time that are we going to move Corpy? Are we not going to move Corpy? It's on a one-year deal. It's fairly easy to move. I bought a goddamn meet and greet. We're not moving Courtney or Corpy. Good God. I'm going to move Courtney with Corpy. Um, I've, I've done a lot of shots. Just bear with me. <laughs> but given the state of the goalie room, Elvis, I don't think, given the albatross that, that contract has, we can't really move him. I think Corpy's the one in the room that you got to try and get something for. I think the problem right now with the goalie room is with the three guys we got, not one of them has taken the job. They keep giving the other two guys the opportunity, so I don't think you can afford to get rid of any of them right now. No, but one of them has clearly given it away. The and that's the hardest one to move. The money to has given that job and handed mm -hmm. it to anybody who's willing to take it. Yeah, that's the hardest one to move. So who, so who are you three? You're going Corpy, Gus, and who? Gabby. Gabby. All right, Adon, who do you see moving at the trade deadline? Yeah, I'm, I'm three for three with Scott. I think uh, for whatever reason, they don't want to give Gabby that uh, that six, probably 6.4 that he's looking for. Uh, they're holding on to him as a trade piece. Uh, I think there is too many cooks in the kitchen in that goalie position, and Corpusalo has the – best ROI if you're a team from the outside looking in at the Blue Jackets organization. So you're going to be willing to give give a little bit more than you get for Corpy, at least with his current level of play. And then um, Gus Nyquist, he's, it's just that time. I think that they are ready to move forward with some of the youth that they have in their prospect pool on the wings. And unless unless Gus wants to take a whole lot less money to keep playing in Columbus, I think it's that's the end of the Gus Nyquist show. Yeah, so, he'd have to extend for two or three years and have to be in the two and a half or lower range. Yeah, yeah. What you're talking about with Gavrikov, I feel like I was saying about uh, Russians hating Columbus. I feel like he's asking for like a fuck you eight million. And just See, well, that's the hard part. <clears throat> that's the hard part with Gabrikov is we haven't heard what he's asking for. And they're not talking. They're not talking. They're not talking numbers. They're not talking terms. They're just not talking. And that's the problem is nobody knows because his party's not talking to our party. Nobody knows. It's pretty much the writings on the wall. He's done. And that's why on my three to move, my top two are Gus and Gabby because they're on expiring contracts. I could see Gabby going to somebody like a Toronto because they need D help. 
You know, I could see Gus going back to Detroit, go back where it started. They, you know, they're on the fringe. They might try and make a run. A lot of young guys, that veteran leadership. And then my third guy, I think Liam Foodie is that third guy. I agree with Lindsey. He hasn't done nothing here. And, you know, they're afraid to put him on waivers. So I think first team to give us a fourth rounder can have Liam Foodie. That's just my personal opinion on those. So, moving on to the next one. Who was the biggest loss to injury this year? Which one of the 75 guys that got hurt were the biggest loss to injury? And we are starting with you this time, Zach. Um, I mean, looking at contract-wise, uh, depends on the route you're trying to go with this team. Obviously, Zach Wierenski and Jakub Borchek are really big losses to this team. But the cap space they shed allow us to bring else or something else in. I'm going to go Justin Danforth. Big momentum guy. Great fourth liner. Always steal my answers. Yeah, go fuck yourself. Um, but, I mean, Zach Wierenski has those moments. Like I said, his, his worst plays look like Gavin Bayreuther. His best plays look like he's Kel McCart. Uh, Jakub Voracek kind of looked lazy at the beginning of the season, looked slow, looked old, looked like he was Boomer's age. Fuck you. <laughs> oh, all right, Scott, who's your biggest loss to injury this year? My biggest loss? Um, stole my thunder there with the Danforth, but I'll also go with Nick Blankenberg. Danforth and Blankenberg are two guys that it's noticeable when they're gone because they're all effort guys all the exactly. time. Exactly. They're the opposite of Patrick Line. Like those those are those, my two choices as well, for the exact same reasons you're saying. Those are effort guys. Those are guys that put it all out there while they're playing. Those are guys that are noticeable for the good reasons, not the bad reasons. You never have to question what the effort or the intent is when those two guys are on the ice. Like it seems like we have to every third game with Patrick Line. They are the heart and the heartbeat on this team. All right, Adon, who's your biggest loss to injury this year? Yeah, I couldn't agree more with Scott. Uh, I think Nick Blankenberg made a very noticeable difference when he was able to slot in on that uh, third or fourth game, I think it was. Um, 110% each play, I think Nick Blankenberg embodies – what the Blue Jackets identity was for a long time, what it still should be of just you're, you might beat us, but you're not going to outwork us. Right. And uh, Nick Blankenberg is a very work heavy guy, but I will say for my official selection that the most detrimental injury was the Patrick line, a injury at the very start of the season. It put things off to a real sour note and nothing got any better afterwards. It would be nice to, find a, a, a videotape of what the season would look like had that first injury not happen and see what, what the season could have been. All right, because that was a minute into the second period of the first game. Right. So, all right, Lindsay, your biggest loss to injury. I think I'm also going to have to go with uh, Justin Danforth. He was definitely a player that I think if he were not injured and still playing right now, he would have been my – my answer as the player who surprised me the most this far so far this season. Cause I just feel like he had so much potential to have a really 
really great season. And he's another guy that just gives um, effort, you know, 110% effort. Yeah, all the, the dude time. has a story that's made for a Disney movie. Yeah, right. So he'd be my answer for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm big on the, the two names that keep popping up. It's Justin Danforth and Nick Blankenberg. Obviously, my number one is Justin Danforth. Um, I've been a big Justin Danforth guy ever since he came up last year. He was my biggest surprise player. And then looking in and doing the deep dive into his history of how he bounced all over the place, ended up in Europe, finally got his shot, took advantage of it. The guy, like a Don said, he is the definition of a Blue Jacket player. We want that blue-collar guy, the guy that straps his boots on in the morning, packs his lunch, takes that lunchbox, hops in his truck, goes to work, puts in an 8- to 10-hour day, comes home dirty and sweaty, and just worked his ass off. That's Justin Danforth. That's Nick Blankenberg. These two have stories that are built for Disney movies. And when they disappeared from the lineup, it was super noticeable. And without a doubt, those are the biggest losses because of injury this year. It's really funny, um, I'll interject, that all five of us have said those two names given the amount of injury. Like, we've had guys like Patty and Zach. Yeah, we've we've had 15 guys hurt this year. Boquist, like all the big name guys, all the big money guys, and the two names that keep coming up are Danforth and Blankenberg. Because they're us on skates. And I mean, I've said it over and over. I'm not a fan of older rookies. If you get a 28, 29-year-old rookie, like I was not a fan of like Gregory Hoffman or Lekanen, but just the amount of effort shown by Justin Danforth is ridiculous, and that has changed my mind on the entire stance. Yeah, dude, Justin Danforth three years ago was a Cincinnati fucking cyclone. And now he was a third-line player with an everyday role. I mean, and it was earned, too. It sometimes hard work pays off. All right, so let's go to our next question. Who do you want to replace Brad Larson if he loses his job this year or next year or when his contract's up? And I have no idea who starts this one off because I have done way too many shots tonight. So who is I think up I'm first? Up. I, think I think it's Scott. All right, and I'm going to absolutely we'll go I'm going to absolutely steal Boomer's answer on this. It's going to be a uh, Trent Vogelhuber. Ah, yeah. And for Everybody That's actually not is, my answer. Oh, well, well, for anybody who's seen the Cleveland Monsters and has seen the products that they're bringing up to the roster, Trent Vogelhuber should be the succession to Brad Larson. Yeah, I've said many times he should be the next call-up from Cleveland. All right, Adon, who is your next guy in line to be the coach here? Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I'm not super familiar with – Coach prospecting, much more of a player-focused guy. Um, I know a lot of people were talking about uh, – what's his name? Q from Florida. Quinville. He turned the programmer. I know that there was all the extracurriculars. I don't know anything about that, so I can't speak right. to any of that. Well, I mean, um, he got in trouble for doing nothing, and that's literally it. He did nothing under the situation, and that's what he got in trouble for. The way for. I understood it was it was uh, the action of inaction. But, again – that's not my situation. I don't know anything about it. I'm just a guy who's looking at coaching options. So there's Q, obviously. Um, if Kyle was here, Kyle would agree with you 100%. That's his pick. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, when you look at 
what effects our injuries in Columbus have had on the makeup of that team in Cleveland and the fact that their season has not been absolutely decimated by the big team needing to borrow their talent. That team is operating. They found a way to sign PTOs and bring guys up from Kalamazoo to fill the spots. Right. So I think there is uh, some interesting potential in that coaching staff for the Monsters. That would be Trent Vogelhuber, who Scott had just mentioned. Both good choices. Yeah. All right, Lindsay, who's your next guy in line to be the coach of the Blue Jackets? Well, I didn't know much about um, coaches that were even available, so I had to look it up. And um, a name that stood out to me on the list of, they describe, up-and-comers, the summer of 2023 candidates, was Spencer Carberry, who was a coach with the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he helped to um, kind of turn their power play around from, you know, kind of mid-level to um, one of the league's best power plays. And I think we certainly need that. We dream of mid-level power play. Right, right. So if he could even help with that, that would be great. Um, But he did interview with the Sharks, uh, but I think they ended up picking someone else. So I think he is still available. But I don't know much else about him. But the power play thing was um, was it stood out to me. Hey, I'm sold. Anybody can fix this power play. More power to you. All right, Zach, who's your choice? So I know a lot of people are going to scream Yoka Yolan from Finland, the guy that led them to uh, consecutive medals. Don't take um, my choice. Do not take are, my guy again. That, that's not who I was looking for. Okay. Uh, I do not want a rookie coach. I want somebody who's tried and tested in this league, somebody who's going to come in and develop a culture in the middle of a rebuild. Barry Trotz ain't coming here. No, I'm not talking about Barry Trotz. Who are you talking about? Uh, Dave Tippett. Oh, I forgot about Tippett. Dave Tippett's a free agent this year. Yeah. Uh, I would also be okay with Quinville, assuming we can get him through the processes of everything getting cleared for the NHL. Like you said, he was kind of prosecuted for doing nothing, which right. was a shitty situation. He should he should have stood up and said something, but at the same time, if he did, he was going to lose his job. It's a sticky situation. Right, but so he, he chose the nothing route. I don't think the NHL would clear him because they don't want to bring up that situation again, so Dave Tippett's my answer. Right. And I think enough times past the Quinville will get reinstated when the time comes, but I'm going to go back to the same guy that I wanted when we hired Brad Larson. I want Ricard Gronberg. Ricard Gronberg is the best guy in Europe who hasn't got an NHL job. He's the guy we need. So my choice is Ricard Gronberg. All right, let's move on to our next question. How hot is Yarmo's seat? with everything that has happened this year. And I have no idea who started the last one. And since Scott bounced out and just jumped back in, someone remind me who's up first. Scott went last, so it'd be Lindsay. All right, Lindsay, you're up first. Um, well, so this is hard for me because I am a Yarmo fan. I, I love Yarmo. Well, here's um, here's what I want. I'm gonna add another stipulation to this. Okay, we're, okay. we're talking his seat. It's in an oven. 
and this oven goes to 450. Okay. What temperature are you setting it at if you're cooking Yarmo seat? Ooh. Mm, 350? I feel like he's he's kind of pushing his luck here in Columbus. And as much as I do like him, I can recognize that it just feels like we've hit a dead end here. And it's almost like the- his cocky swagger is worn off. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just I'm I'm tired. I'm not very trusting of the movement anymore. I would like to see some big changes. I was very disappointed in the Brad Larson signing. I I thought that was going to be a whole new that was going to be the start of this new face of CBJ when we hired this new big coach from wherever and then to have the guy who couldn't even make the power play you know yeah, like I we said, said the whole time we hired the wrong Brad. I think we should have hired Brad Shaw. Yeah, a hundred percent. And so to see him be brought up, I was just kind of like, really? And then there's just been a lot of questionable things, and we haven't been able to keep players here. I think I think the sea is getting hot. I would set the oven at three fifty. Three fifty. All right. I know it's gonna throw everybody for a loop, but since Scott bounced out and hopped back in, in the order I have now, Scott, you're next. I will set the oven at 375 i would have said 400 but the johnny signing i think buys him a little bit of leeway but does it because that fell on his lap yeah he didn't to. make that happen that fell no. on his lap but it's fairly hot i don't know how many how much more we can take of bringing in skill guys that get broken in half three-fourths half the way through the season and just keep going through the same blender that we're going through I think at some point you just have to cut ties and move on. But I think we're getting close. We're not all the way there. So 375. 375. All right, Zach, what are you setting the oven at for Yarmo? So I'm going to just go out and say at 425. Uh, Yarmo's got one to two more years. If you look at it, historically he has not drafted well the last time he had three draft picks outside of this last 2021 draft the best pick out of those was Winberg. uh so i mean when you look at it he's had one playoff series win out of he's been here what nine years nine years nine years nine years one, one playoff win and one, one play in round yeah, one playing round and win, one playoff, one playoff yeah so I think he's got one to two more years. Yarmo realistically has not done anything. Like you said, that Johnny Gaudreau signing fell on his lap. That was a more product of people that have been here and people that used to be here. Him looking out for something for his family and his future. Um, I, I do not have faith in Yarmo whatsoever. And I think Yarmo has gone within the next year to two years. Coaches and GMs are jobs that you take to be fired. That's it's nothing permanent. All right, Don, what are you setting the oven at on Yarmo's seat? So I'm going to adapt your analogy a little bit here. I don't think any of us get to set the oven here. The oven was set in. Oh wait, wait, wait! wait. Well, you say we don't set the oven? I buy yeah, season tickets. I set the fucking oven. Oh no, no, my friend. We don't yeah, set the oven. The oven was set uh, in 2013. To a nice 325 degrees. Yarmo's career has been a creme brulee. It's been slowly baking at medium high heat the whole time. It's in a situation where at the end of it, you're, you're going to have, 
either a nice, delicious creme brulee, but we've added a little bit too much heat now. We're at risk of burning that uh, that nice crispy top on the creme brulee. And if Yarmo doesn't turn this thing around, we're just going to have wasted all that time for a burnt sugary mess. I can respect that. All right. I setting that oven at 449. It's hot. You got one more chance, bud. One more chance. And the only thing that's saving you is the fact that half this goddamn team got injured this year. Uh, if it wasn't for all the injuries, I think Larson, Yarmo, JD, everybody's gone. I think the only thing that saved them is the fact that half the damn team got hurt. So when everybody comes back next year, if they don't perform, which I don't think they will, because at this point, I have no reason to believe that they will. I just think this is a bad team that was put together poorly. I think there could be a lot of changes next year. I don't see it happening this year. I think everybody gets a free pass for the rest of this year. But I'm telling you, 25, 30 games into next year, if it still looks the same and we don't have 75 injuries, people are going to start dropping like flies. I, I, honest to God, I believe that. At nine years, one playoff win, one play-in win, which the play-in win shouldn't even count because it was against Toronto, and Toronto never wins in the playoffs. So I just think we are one step away from these boys moving on out of the offices. That play-in win that is not counted as an actual series win. Actually, it is. On the NHL stats, it is counted as a second playoff win. My bad. All right. Question number 19. Which jacket do you miss the most that is no longer with this team and was here within the last five years? I only asked this question so I could go first because I usually go last, but I'm going first. And it's just because I wanted to say the words David Savard. I miss David Savard so much. That dude blocked every shot that was hit at him. He wasn't afraid to take one right in the ass if it meant saving a goal. And the fact that we don't have that just drop-down, diehard defensive defender anymore absolutely crushes me. So, David Savard is my choice. Normally, I would let you guys go first, but no one steal my answer on this one. So, Scott, who is your most missed guy over the last five years? Um, for me, uh, that's obviously going to be. Can I guess? Can yeah, I guess? Go ahead. Oliver Bjorkstrand. That is, you, you would be correct, but I'll also throw in a caveat and a 1B. And I throw in the 1B because this is a person that we didn't let leave and we didn't ship away. He was taken from us in a tragic accident and it's Matisse Kabunix. I think the fact that we didn't get to see him develop to his full potential is something that we all really wanted to see and got robbed of. Yes, good 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 pick. We'll take a moment real quick. Remember Matisse Kivalenix. All right, Zach, who's your biggest missing piece for over the last five years? Uh, so mine falls out of, uh, or mine's just close to that five-year mark, especially with us closing in on the end of 2022 here. 
Uh, it's somebody else that was taken from us, but I got to go with William Carlson. That was six years ago. Uh, 2017, five years ago. Okay, six seasons ago, five years ago. I'll let you have it. Honorable mention, we're going to go with uh, Marcus Nidavara. Yeah, Bill Zito took him right from us. Yeah, I, I miss Nutsack, but it is what it is. All right, Adon, who's the guy you missed the most that was here within the last five years? Uh, so my miss, most missed guy is the captain, Nick Foligno. Uh, I feel like there's been a definite noticeable lack of on-ice player-driven accountability since the days of Nick Foligno. And uh, it's especially hard seeing kind of the resurgent year that he's had this year compared to last year. Um, Understandable. It, 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 it's a presence that is missed. And I've been trying to cut slack for Boone and uh, I guess now Johnny wears an A and Z before he was injured. They're not vocal Johnny's only wearing an A. Johnny's only wearing an A because Boone's out. Exactly. Right. It's neither here nor there. You know, they're not the most vocal leaders, but there has to be a point where your leadership has to get vocal and it can't just be behind closed doors, lead by doing. Mm-hmm. That's why a young dude like this misses a Jakob Vortek. Because he didn't need a letter yeah. to just stand in the locker room and speak his right. piece and people listen. So a guy right. like that missing is huge. I know he has, he's still technically here, so that takes him off the board. But that's another huge missing piece. Yeah, if Vortek were actually gone, he would be my – a or one B, right? But uh, as it stands, it's it's fully known. All right, Lindsay, who's your biggest missing piece from the last five years? Um, I think I might have to go with Cam Atkinson. Um, I do like Voracek, so I'm I'm not like terribly upset about the trade, but I do think he was a piece, just an overall, you know a great player, a great person. He's kind of like, you're talking about that. One of those other voices, one of those leaders that we had in our locker room. Um, someone that really loved the city of Columbus and would vouch right. for the city of Columbus. And I think that presence is missed. Yeah. I mean, that goes back to both you and Don's choices. Uh, Nick Felino and Cam Atkinson may be the two biggest advocates for the city of Columbus that we've ever had here. So, Scott, who's your oh, – we already started with you, didn't we? we got to go to the next question. God damn, these shots are adding up. All right, this will be our last question before you guys get to ask your individual questions. But uh, And I I'm get to go first. I'm going to ask this one. Matter of fact, you know what, Zach? You just go ahead and ask it. This is your question. All right, so uh, we're just going to go ahead and say, is the Chili Shack kind of like Nickelback? People only hate it because the uh, opinion is popular. You know, um, I'm going to go last on this one. We're going to start with uh, Lindsay. <laughs> I think I think everyone knows I love the Chili Chance. So I, I think, yes, it's hated because – wait, what, how did you word that? I said, is it like, yeah, I said, is it like Nickelback? People only hate it because the opinion's popular. 
Exactly. I I think that is a very good kind of analogy um, because I know a lot of people claim that the chili chant kills the moment momentum and you know I see Boomer violently shaking his head or nodding his head in agreement with that. But um, I I it gives me a lot of momentum personally. I love the chili chant and I will stand by the chili chant. We're absolutely here for that. Uh, Adon, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, I think this is a flawed premise as a question. Um, Nickelback wasn't hated because they were popular. They were hated because they were the face of a genre that was hated. Nobody hated no, Nickelback I... because they were popular. Everybody hated Nickelback because they, they, they took the abuse for that dad rock, butt rock, whatever you want to call it, and Nickelback does not deserve the hate that it gets. And to it... say that the Chili Chan is popular is almost offensive. There is no way that a majority of the CBJ fans like enjoy or want the chili chant and to put the chili chant and Nickelback in the same discussion is ludicrous. So I think you got a little confused there. It's not because they were popular. It's because the opinion of them being mad was popular. The, the question as reads is, is the chili chant like Nickelback only hated for popularity? So I guess, if I'm misreading it, to say, is it hated because it's the cool thing to do is to hate on the Chili Chant? Exactly, yes. No, uh, the Chili Chant is hated because it sucks. And Nickelback was hated because it was the cool thing to do. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> uh, you're wrong, but Scott, you're up. The Chili Chant is an absolute abomination and needs to be done with immediately. Um, how dare you disrespect Nickelback and put them in the same category as the Chili Chant. I will die on this hill and am willing to die on this hill. This is the worst thing that happens at a CBJ game. Uh, you want to continue that rant for a little bit there? Uh, Boomer's not in the room. I would rather put Emil Bemstrom's number in the rafters than have to listen to the what? Chili Chant. <laughs> I would sooner eat Chad Kruger's asshole than continue to do the chili jam. It's probably bleach Chad waxed. There's a good chance of that. I would sooner eat. Okay, I'll I'll change it. I would sooner eat Rooster's chili out of Chad Kruger's asshole than listen to the chili chant again. And if you've had any discussions with me about Rooster's, you would know that I'm not trying to eat any of that horrible chili. Yeah, if you've had their chili, it's not good. No, I never uh, had the chili. No, no. While he's sitting back down here, Boomer, we're going to go to you on this topic, and I'm going to finish out. All right. I'm going to take you to Nationwide Arena. There's a rookie on the ice. Number 91, Kent Johnson, scores his first, first NHL goal. And he hears, for those about to rock. Boom! Da 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 da. Chili. Fuck the chili chant. It kills momentum. There is a time and a place for the chili chant. And 90% of the time, it's the wrong fucking time. Period. See, where I stand on this is, uh, 
the Winnipeg game. Throne of Lies. You stand on a throne of lies. You're wrong and you're stupid. You're not just you're not just stupid, you're wrong. But where I stand on this, if you go back to 2020, the Winnipeg game, where we are down three to one in the third period. Out of nowhere, with five minutes left in that game, we score two to tie this game up and to take it into overtime. The next thing you hear is do 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 chili. I I'm a big big advocate of the chili chant as Boomer is sticking a metaphorical gun in his mouth. I uh yeah I absolutely love the chili chant. I will you know die on this ledge, but I'll you guys can push me off. Yeah, hundred percent die on the other side. I do not hate the chili chant because it's the popular thing to hate. I was middle of the road, you know. I kind of lean more towards not liking it. But when I saw the Kent Johnson goal and I see the kid standing there like this with his arms up, like yes, I finally got my first goal. And then I heard Chili. I was like, nope this 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 needs to go. This needs he, to go. But what's the chances he got his free Chili that night? It was better. It was better when it was Wendy's chili. Yeah, I, so I would rather have Wendy's chili too. I've had the Rooster's chili. Unlike some of you, I've had the Rooster's chili. It's not with good. my with my free ticket, with the onions and the cheese. It's not that fucking good. If we're gonna keep but, the chili chant, and I'm completely against keeping the chili chant, I want the cannon loaded with actual chili, and I want that thing fired off over your shoulder. It'll scald the shit out of Boomer. What but if? I, what if instead, chili chant only on comebacks as an extra little bit of insult to injury for the chili opposing chant group? only when we're up three to one. <laughs> we lose every one of those games. <laughs> Last year, every time we took a three nothing lead in the first, we lost every one of those games. It happened seven times. So would you say the momentum was changed after the chili chant? No, no, no. Yeah, I think it comes from uh, absolutely. It was sounds a little bit like the momentum was changed. Uh, you know, that's why you brought in Olivier to you know drop the gloves <laughs> off a face off and change that momentum to fight but all I, the losers who like the chili champ. Yeah, I, fuck you. But I, I stand with Lindsay on this. I'm a big supporter of the chili champ. Keep that fucker around, Lindsay. Do you have roosters in Cincinnati? Yeah, they got roosters. We do down have here. a rooster down here. I they also have, have frickers. Them. Yeah, we do have a frickers. They have Freddy's. Why would you go to roosters? Rumor is frickers is owned by the brother of the roosters guy. Is that true? Oh, I don't know. They're oh, very similar. I know is Zach. The bottle is empty. Oh shit! Lindsay has a roosters in Cincinnati. Has never had roosters chili and supports the chili chain. Yep. <laughs> we, we support the chant, not the chili. Okay. These goddamn uninformed voters. Sometimes I like to just choose the opposite of what everyone else wants. and like. Oh, so you like it because it's popular like Nickelback. Well, yeah, but like the opposite, I guess. <laughs> All right. She well, likes to stand out. Through, that gets us through our little list of roundtable questions. But I asked everybody to bring their own questions, so... We're going to start with you, Adon. I want you to ask the group a question, and then you pick and we'll answer in your order. Okie dokie. Um, so uh, a couple of days ago, as we're getting ready for the holidays, I saw a few different sources 
put out Christmas lists for each team. A couple examples for the Blue Jackets. Uh, the Athletic said that the Blue Jackets should wish for health. Or health. Daily Faceoff said that we should wish for Elvis to be moved. Um, poor stats. Even worse, body language. Wishes are nice, uh, but change is not gifted. It's worked for. As we move from Christmas into the New Year's, what should Yarmo Kekalainen and the staff set as the organization's New Year's resolutions? Ooh, that is a good question. So where do you want to start? Um, let's go ahead and start with uh, the one I can see. Let's go with Boomer. All right. CBJ New Year's resolution. I'm going to want two things that go hand in hand. And I'm going to agree with whichever one of those you said. Health. We need health. But if we're healthy, we also need competence. We need to not be getting broken. And we need smart decisions to be made. Neither of which have been happening this year. So my New Year's resolution for the Blue Jackets is health and competence. A couple of good resolutions. I guess we'll go with uh, Zach there. So uh, another two things to go hand in hand. I, I'd i like to hope for a miserable second half to the season, uh, lose out, and end up with Bedard or Fantilli. We, we need that one C, like, really bad. So – that, that's all I hope for is another, you know, three, four months of pain. And that's about it. All right. So Zach is resolving to uh, tank hard for Bedard. So, so Zach uh, wants Lindsay. incompetence. Right. <laughs> uh, Lindsay, what are your uh, hopes for a Blue Jackets New Year's resolution? Um, more puck possession. I feel like it's been so, so bad the last few games. It feels like we basically spend the entire game in our own defensive end, and uh, it's really frustrating to watch. And along with that, um, better passing as well. The passing has been abysmal. Yes. Yes, these flashy passes getting tape turned over. Tape tape the tape. <laughs> All right, and then uh, Scott will go, and then I'll give my answer. My answer is I want full shown leadership from top to bottom. I need somebody to establish leadership in the coaching staff. I need players to take accountability. I need it shown that people are taking leadership. Yeah, exactly. Great answer. Couldn't have for more. Um, I'm going to hope – that we set our New Year's resolution to be to focus on building mental fortitude across the board. Um, it's got to be so exhausting to be a Vladislav Gavrikov, Johnny Hockey, a Boone Jenner, and to see guys like Patrick Laine, Elvis or a little Boomer sitting in the stands, or a little Boomer sitting in the stands so often just kind of admit defeat, phone it in for one, one and a half, or even two periods on some games. When you are losing, you can't let yourself get defeated. You have to persevere and play a full 60. And so often we get to 28 and we've absolutely been 
we've we've had our asses handed to us by Tage Thompson for a period and a half, and Thank so we God just kind of give up and luck into luck into some inconsequential goals. That drive needs to be there the full sixty, and it doesn't fucking matter who we play and what that what that score box reads. Great, great answers. Everyone had a great answer. That's a good question, Nadon. All Thank right. You. Lindsay, what is your question for the gang? So less to do with players and more to do with the kind of overall fan experience and atmosphere at Nationwide Arena. What would you change as far as maybe like kind of a pre-game show or or just entertainment overall at Nationwide Arena because I think it's getting kind of stale. I think they cater so much to families and children and as someone who's not a family or a child, that gets pretty aggravating because I do still spend quite a bit of my hard-earned money on the Blue Jackets and I would I would like to see something new. So what are your suggestions as far as um improving fan engagement and overall experience at the games? Interesting. Where do you want to start? Um, let's go with Scott. Uh, for my answer, I will say that the Blue Jackets organization should completely retool the promotional giveaway slash theme nights for that are very few and far between to begin with. They Thank need, you. They need to uh, for a professional sports team. It seems very minor league of some of the things that are brought up as promotions. And I think they need to look at that and completely retool what they're giving away and what they're offering to people in attendance. 100% agree with that. What are your thoughts on that, Adon? Um, You know, I miss most opportunities to view on ice pregame intermission uh, entertainments. I will go to our bar before the game and I'm usually just missed my chance to grab my seat before puck drop and have to wait for the first stoppage of play. And then I will go down to the cannon or hit up the smoker section in between periods. Um, And I guess that probably is indicative of the fact that something needs to change to keep butts in seats between periods. Um, But that's all secondary to me. I pay my money to watch my team play. The thing that would make me happiest about a change in my game viewing experience was be to see my team play better, see them better coached and more driven. Um, But I totally understand where people are coming from with the family and child-centric giveaways. I've got a handful of stuff that I can give to my kid and like a hat that I wear for all the games I've been to this season. So maybe a change of uh, promotional giveaways would be nice nice to see. Where do you fall on this topic, Zach? So, I mean, I'm, I'm at games to watch hockey, Uh, bad hockey for the most part this season and last season. Preach. But, I mean, for for one, we need better season ticket holder benefits. The gifts we receive is is not what it needs to be for us to renew. Um, 
the one to two season ticket holder events a year seem very rushed and like quickly put together. Not a whole lot of thought in them at all. Uh, and for people yeah, to spend it's completely they different since COVID. Before COVID, it wasn't like this. COVID yeah. has made everything rush, rush, rush. For people to spend a serious amount of money to come and watch these games, it doesn't seem like they, you know, cater towards us whatsoever. Um, and as far as what we do as a franchise for everybody around, I'm kind of with Lindsay. I'm kind of sick of the whole family friendly, all of this. We need to get rid of kids takeover night. First of all, I mean, so when that first goal was scored and you hear that kid announcing that completely kills momentum, ruins it, ruins every bit of that game. I mean, there was a group of us that showed up absolutely fucking tanked for that game because we didn't care what happened. Uh, me and Kyle had to carry Boomer into that arena. I wore a Let's Bang shirt to Kids Takeover Day. Wait, but I mean, so, I was... so Zach and I are pro Chili Chant, anti kids is what I'm getting from this. Sadly, I have one of those. <laughs> oh, my bad. Anti kid, except for your own child. No, exactly, my kids yeah, are adults. Kids. I'm anti-children. <laughs> but that's not true. Your your wife has accepted my child as her granddaughter. This is true. Um, and you did get a FaceTime on Christmas. So I fucking did. I, did. I appreciate there, it. I, I want to uh, piggyback off of yours. I really do because, like you said, the season ticket holder benefits. There's one thing with this whole entire organization that burns my ass. And I have put it in every survey I've filled out. I have told all three of the season ticket holder reps I have had since I have been here. And this is the simple fact that I own two seats in section 111 right in front of the cannon. I spend a lot of money on those seats. I spend approximately $75 to $80 per ticket for me and my wife. So every game I go to costs us a little over $155. That's 41 times a year, not counting playoffs. And when they give out the season ticket holder gift, I get one fucking gift. Me and my wife are both season ticket holders. We bought this package together. I am a season ticket holder. My wife is a season ticket holder. We pay one bill because it comes out of my account. But we are both season ticket holders there's no reason you can't give me two fucking hoodies or two fucking vests or two whatever in the fuck you're giving out this year we are both season ticket holders and if you want me to come to pregame do something that will make me come to pregame because right now hanging out with a don and zach at our bar is way funner than coming to pregame you want me to stay in my seat during intermission? Give me a reason. I would rather go smoke two cigarettes and talk to the angry guys in the smoker section and then hang out with my friends at the cannon than I would sit in my seat. Do something that makes me want to stay in my goddamn seat. Because right now, I would rather have a cigarette in the smoking section. I would rather have another beer at our bar that doesn't cost 15 fucking dollars. Give me a reason. It is so much more fun to go out there and talk to like Craig and Angry John and listen exactly. to them rap 
and then come over to the cannon and talk to the rest of our people. Exactly. Sit in our seat and watch little kids fall over on their skates with singers walking around, sending the puck back over to them. That does nothing for me. Dude, they used to have the people go down in the big balls and play shit. That was fun. Yeah. Why don't we do that anymore? Tell me how many people would stay in their seats to watch me and you face off against each other in a fucking foot hockey game wearing them big bouncy balls. Let let's let's try to make this happen. Let's see if we can figure this out. We'll get a hold let, of some people. Let Buck and Boomer take on the artillery. Let's get me, you, and Neff and Kyle in those giant balls and run exactly. at each other full. Let me send Kyle on three backflips across the ice. Yeah. I mean, give me a reason. You got to give me a reason to stay in my damn seat. Because right now, I would rather go outside for 10 minutes, smoke a cigarette, come back in for the last eight minutes, and hang out with my friends by the cannon. I would rather do a TikTok with Lindsay than sit in my seat and watch the shit they're showing me right now. And I've done that multiple times, haven't I, Lindsay? Yes, yes. It's basically you and I shared TikTok account at this point. It's getting there. I mean... It is what it is, but you got to give me a reason. It pisses me off so much that two years ago or three years ago, whenever it was, I don't know. I've been a season ticket holder a long time. I've done the math and I'm not bragging. This is not a brag at all, but between season tickets and food at the arena and buying stuff at the blue line store, like jerseys and hoodies and different shit and paying for parking and taking trips to our bar before I go to the game or taking trips to have lunch before an afternoon game. Me and my wife spent over $18,000 a year in the arena district. And you gave me one goddamn sweatshirt. What the fuck is that? That that's my thing. We need to do more to try to embrace the community and do more to try to help the people that try to promote this city as it goes for us, the artillery subjectively, people just in general that do more to try to promote this team. Right. There's a big, big group out there that loves this team. I mean, I absolutely, if I have to pick my favorite sports team, it's the Columbus Blue Jackets. Mm-hmm. I could care less about anyone else. If I have to pick between the Blue Jackets and the Buckeyes or the Blue Jackets and the Browns, Whatever. I'm going to pick the Blue Jackets every time. I've been a Cleveland Browns fan since I was in the second grade. I've been a Cleveland Indians fan since I was in the second grade. I've been a Cleveland Cavaliers fan since I was in the second grade. Because in second grade, I took a class called Ohio History, and I learned that Cleveland was in Ohio. So I became a fan. And then as a young adult in the military, when I was homesick, I became a huge Ohio State fan because I missed everything Ohio. But if I have to pick between all those teams, I'm going to pick the Blue Jackets every goddamn time. Every time. But if you want me to keep picking the Blue Jackets, give me a reason. As God, a Lindsay, sport, that was a great question. Lindsay, that was a great question. Yeah, great, absolutely. Great question. As a sport that's on the bottom of the major four, do more to promote the people that try to promote you. Exactly. Yes, all right. I agree. Scott, that's a hard one to follow up, but what's your question? Well, thanks for giving me this spot um sorry sorry dude that i'm sorry she hit a string that is very very sensitive to me as always Lindsay's better at everything than me 
And I may have drank two-thirds of a bottle of liqueur 43 tonight. So there's always that possibility. Mm. I'm seven beers and a half a bottle of Amaretto through. I can, I can barely keep my eyes open. So I'll throw this out there. Um, given that we were sold a bill of goods, that we were in a retool and not a rebuild, and we've seen what's happened over the last two years, what do you guys think is a reasonable timetable for this team to be a playoff contender? I don't want to hear pipe dreams. I want what's the reasonable amount of time that this is going to take? This is a great question. Please go to me last. Who do you want to start with? We'll start with Zach. So, I mean, I came out and said it earlier. Uh, I think it's going to be three to five years, and I don't think the current staff we have in general in our entire front office, I think it's going to be a clean sweep uh, before it happens. I think we're probably looking at the four to five year mark uh, before we are a consistent playoff team, not a playoff team, not a one year and out, not a first round exit. I'm talking a consistent contender. Can I jump in one second? Yeah, go ahead. We have three prospects playing for team check. Dude, they are up five to two on Canada with six and a half minutes to go in the second period. How many of those are defensemen? I have no idea. I just got the score up. Canasco, Rice Savvy, and Yurchek. Uh, I know Yurchek's there. I know Rice Savvy's there, and so is uh, Svolzi. Uh, and Savolzi or whatever, however you say that. Savolzi, yeah. Rice Savvy's Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just no. saw that fifth goal go in. I'm like no. just giddy over here. You're fine. You absolutely added that. Savolzi and Yurchek are both defensemen. Defensemen take a long time to develop. We took two defensemen in the first round last year. We took two set or two forwards before that. Ken Johnson's probably going to be in a wing. Cole Sillinger's probably going to be in a second to third line center. So as that ends into it, it's going to be a lot of time for this team to develop, get older. As Kyle says, I'm sick of being the fucking youngest team in the league year by year. Every it's goddamn going, year. It's going to take time, three to five years before this team is a consistent playoff team. Dude, your check's wearing number five for the fifth line. Andy's got the A. Adon, anyway, what you continuing with your question, Scott, who's your next person? Adon, go for it. Okay, so Jarmo um, Kekalainen's contract, as it currently sits, is extended through 2024-2025 campaign. I am not certain that with the shape this club's in, that Jarmo Kekalainen has the ability to get us into any real talk about the playoffs before that time period is over. I don't know how confident I am that that contract will be extended. Either he'll part ways or maybe John Davidson will move on and Yarmo will move into that president of hockey op position. Um, so if I, I, if, I had to, if I had to play some money on it, I'd say by the time we're talking about semifinals or finals round of the Stanley Cup, I think we're we're pushing 2030 unless unless all the injuries really have impacted us that much and we really are that close. Um, optimistically, I'd like to hope for the 25, 26, 27, 28 year, uh, but we might be pushing 29, 30 or even past. God, 
damn, sell us a pipe dream. Jesus, yeah, you it, are it's, the it's, definition it's, of pessimist. I love it. Bleak, it could change. Maybe Yarmo extends and is finally able to write the ship in a meaningful, solid way. But the more that I hear about, you know, 10 years, one playoff, uh, technically two playoff series wins, all of these uh, all of these players that showed a lot of promise just to go play for other teams and find success there. Um, I do trust yeah, in Yarmo. Winberg's turning out this year. Anthony Zeclair was an honorable mention for the missed players. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I do believe in Yarmo, but I'm also a guy who, for the entire 2000 to 2010 stretch, every single year, firmly believed that Michigan was going to be Ohio State. So I might not be the best person to look for when you're looking at knowledgeable belief. Uh, at least you admit it. All right. Lindsay, what's your opinion on Scott's question? Uh, I think if we were to do a revamp of our coaching staff, I could see us getting back into playoff contention in probably three years. But honestly, I don't feel that optimistic about us making it very far. Um, just because that's what I've seen so far as my short time as a fan. Well, this um, team has made us all pessimists at this point. Yeah, yeah. So I think three years, if if we change our coaching staff, like, and 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 bring in somebody who is competent and can lead this team and can can make the pieces work together, because I think we have the pieces, but I just don't think that they are fitting together quite yet. Um, and obviously, we've already talked a lot about what other additional pieces we could pick up along the way that could be helpful. So change of coaching staff, um, hopefully drafting a pretty good center or picking up a a 1C in free agency would be nice. Um, And maybe offloading some of the people who aren't really what this team stands for. And I think we could be back in it in three years. Nice. All right. I'm not going to lie, Scott. I don't remember your question because I've been drinking the entire time we've done this. So refresh my memory before I give you my answer. What do you believe is a reasonable time frame for this team to be a cup contender? Okay. Next year. No, I'm fucking kidding. I'm fucking kidding. Um, From what I've seen from this team in the past, we don't do nothing quick nothing quick we were sold a story about a rebuild not a or a retool not a rebuild and that has gone out the window injuries do have a lot to do with that but when these guys weren't injured we got our asses kicked every game to start the season so i think it's a lot longer than people want to hear and a lot longer than they're going to admit. It's not happening this year. It's not happening next year. It's not happening the year after. We're at a minimum of three years before starting to go up. And realistically, we're probably in that four to five year window before we sniff the playoffs. And we're in more of a five, six, maybe even seven year window if Everything goes right 
of being a contender. And I hate to say that because I love this team. I spent a lot of money on this team, and I can't wait seven years. I am too damn impatient. But with what we got and the way we're managing it, three to five is close to realistic, but a borderline pipe dream. I think realistic is four to seven. And as much as it hurts to say that, as much as it hurts to admit that, four to seven is a realistic time frame. There's a good chance this team has a better shot at relocation than they do a Stanley Cup in the next seven years. Man, I'm a pessimist. <laughs> All that being said, we're winning the Cup this season. Absolutely not. We All have right. like four more games so we get X from playoff contention. Right. We're, we're almost eliminated now. Look, I do want to take this time. I, I do appreciate all of you coming on. Steve, who had to jump out early. Adon, Lindsay, Scott. Uh, I'm very, very happy you guys jumped on with us and did this. Um, all right, I want each of you to pimp your own social medias and let everybody know where you're at. Uh, Adon, we'll go with you first. Where can they find you at? Uh, you can only find me if you're looking, and I don't want you looking. But if you do, uh, Twitter handle at Rev Rodriguez 924 on Twitter, the good Reverend Rodriguez. Uh, and that's pretty much where I exist. I don't have an Instagram. Facebook is pretty much for family. So find me there. What's that? Go ahead and share your OnlyFans. I don't want to <laughs> share it. It's for me and my no no bits. And me. And well, that, obviously. All right. It's Lindsay. written into the contract. You drafted me, you get my OnlyFans. <laughs> and that's business. Why. That's exactly why I passed. All right, Lindsay, <laughs> where can we find you at? Um, on Twitter, I'm Jackets Lindsay, and on TikTok, I am Ohio Lindsay. I think. All right, Scott, where can we find you on the social media world? Scott Lim Five everywhere. Scott Lim Five everywhere. I Only like fans it. included. Once again, I just want to thank all you guys coming on here. This was a good time. I do appreciate everybody jumping on and. Uh, I think this was a really, really good conversation, and uh, we look forward to doing this again. Yeah, thank yeah, you guys for having us on, you guys. This is gonna be a longer one, but it's a it's been a good show. So thank you guys for coming in. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to not listening to it. I hate the sound of my own voice. <laughs> Me too. You, you should play check it, it out. It's, it's and a half, and it doesn't matter. Mm. I'll listen to it in my own private times. You know what I mean? Oh, that sounds dirty. It is. It should. <laughs> you gentlemen have a good night. Good night, Lindsay. Bye. Bye. Night. Good night, hey, Zach. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. We're going to hop on out of here. Me and Zach will stay on and do the first half of the, first half of the pod. I do appreciate you guys coming on.